Oi, you lot, you listening to Garage Hammer, episode 134. On tonight's episode, the fat manling's got his friends from up north, not by the chaos gates, those no longer exist anymore, but he's got his friend Johnny from up north to come down and talk about Sigmar's big quest for his hammer, Galmaraz. Last time we go handing out hammers to manlings, they go throwing them away so easily. <laughs> Silly manlings. Now shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms, bringing you rivers of poop, lakes of molten metal, and oceans of space and time. I'm Dave Whitek, and with me tonight is that legendary handsome point boy, Johnny Hastings. Johnny, thanks for coming on the show. What is going on, people? Thanks for having me, Dave. Hey, uh, I'm so glad you said yes, man. I, you know, it's it's. Uh, I was so surprised when I was listening to uh, to to the show, and uh, you were saying how you were getting into the fluff and starting to <laughs> starting to starting to go through the 18 step uh, round base uh, conversions that you're doing, oh, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's almost there finally. So I'm still working on it, though. It's been a process, that's for sure. But uh, oh, I'm excited! Yeah, I decided not to do that with my zombies. I just ordered uh, the Mantix round bases. <laughs> I'm like, I've got all those other zombies that I have, so I'm like, I'll just making new zombies for my for my round base army. I'll keep <laughs> the square ones for Kings of War. I'm like, nope, just not. I put them. I put them under. Hundred? Yeah, well, dude, I put them under. Oh, well, I don't need a couple hundred. I only need about a hundred or so for 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 Age of Sigmar. Right, but. Uh, Dude, they're under like an eighth of an inch of that uh, swamp stuff with the water effects. Yeah. <laughs> so it's over their feet. I'm like, there's no converting these to round bases. That's never going to happen. Yeah. So I'm like, no, nope, just make new ones. I've got plenty. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't think you can make it work with Wayne's, um, you know, drop-in bases? You know, I was thinking about it, but it's just. Then to get the, to to match it up with the with the water with the swamp effects, and I, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to even do the swamp effects with these because I'm just I'm just figuring I'm just going to make them match the rest of the army. I had an idea for the old army, and now that I've got an opportunity to do something different, I think I'm just going to match it up with the rest of the army and not be so psychotic with it because that yeah. was a long <laughs> process. Like I, I I mean look who I'm talking to. That was a long process. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean oh, seriously, yeah. it was I like four you. or five layers of that uh that uh water effects just to get it going. I mean, honestly, the bases almost took longer to do than to paint the stupid zombies. So, I was just like, forget <laughs> it, not happening. Yeah. Well, so, to hell with it. How about that? <laughs> exactly. So, uh hey, uh um we need to uh, thank the sponsors. You mind giving me a hand here, getting the bills paid? Yeah, sure. The sponsors of Garage Hammer are Unique Gifts and Games. In Grays Lake, Illinois. Mirsha Miniatures. That's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures.com. Mantic Games. For all your rank and flank army needs. The TC War Room in Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. And Battle Foam, protecting your... Army. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you if you wanted to do it because I just figured this is something Johnny could totally do. <laughs> <laughs> I could nail that. I woke up with a bit of a cold today. I'm not sure I could carry it. <laughs> uh, all right. So listen, before we jump into the book, um, I got to get through a couple of the basic things here. Uh, we do have voicemail. Just a reminder to everybody. I haven't gotten any lately. 
Um, uh, but we do have voicemail one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six. International callers, most countries zero zero one seven five seven G H show six. Um, so I got two things. Uh, one, we've I have gotten a lot of emails from people. Um, I have I've not been getting hate mail recently, which <laughs> you know. People have you want, me to, want me to fix that for you? Oh, sure, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> we start talking about Donald Trump or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Let's not get silly. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have been sending some really encouraging emails to and I'm sorry I haven't been able to get back to everybody. I'm not trying to ignore you. I do read everything and I appreciate it. It's just been crazy busy and I haven't been able to uh, respond to everything. So for the people who've been sending... Uh, all the uh, really nice emails. I just want to give a, a, a real a, a quick group thank you. Uh, the people who are coming. A lot of people coming now. Like I was always fantasy curious, and I played forty k, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to paint a hundred or two hundred models, and now I can paint you know thirty or forty and play the game. And so you got a lot of guys coming over who are trying it out. Yeah, I'm sure that was part of the master plan. And I'm getting a lot of these from guys who are listening to After Olinor. You know, yeah. if guys were listening to that on the show, and now they're like, now I'm listening to this, and I'm starting to try it out. So, um, people who are thinking that you know uh, nobody's playing this game, people are. They're coming over from other places now. Like we're getting new blood into it. So, who knows? Um, but then I've been getting some of these people, and it's it's people they're they're po- politely asking me not to do this. Like I guess I said, <laughs> stick your hate mail where you where I don't need to read it. <laughs> so they're like politely asking. They're like. I was wondering, you know, um, I know you're not doing Garage Gamers anymore. When do you think you might do a Kings of War episode for a new edition? Or when do you think you might do a, a Malifaux episode? Since And then they always suppose since I've decided uh, AOS really isn't for me, so I'm just kind of wondering when you're going to do something else. Like like the, <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> Tell them to pay attention to the titles of the podcast well, yeah. until it's one of those things. And yeah. until then, stop listening. Huh? Um, right now, I mean, honestly, uh I don't have any plans for it. Not that I don't want to do it. It's just that GW is putting out these these you know lore books so fast. Dude, I just picked up Archeon. I mean, they just oh, came yeah. out with Archeon's book, which is kind of a cool little book. And he's got another one of the uh, you know Black Library books to go with it about three different uh, you know leaders that he chose. I think that I know they put out eight little mini books through Black Library, like through the e- EPUB, like the shorts, the short stories you could download. Yeah. And I think this is them sort of compiled into three big stories. Um, but it's another one of those like 250-page Black Library books is coming out next week to go with the Archeon Battle Tome. I haven't done the Stormcast Battle Tome. Uh, I got so much stuff to cover. Like, <laughs> Rotor and I are recording uh, Seraphon next week. Like, GW is just handing me book after book. I'm not handing me. I'm paying for them. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about that. No, I'm I'm picking them up. I'm buying them. I wish. Yeah. Hey, Black Library, dude. If they would send them to me ahead of time, I, I cover them so much, dude. I'd sign an NDA. I totally would sign an NDA, and 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 get the books and read them, and because uh, I still cover them. I know they. I don't do. know. If people listen to you. They don't really need to buy the books. Then <laughs> <laughs> you kind of put them out of business. Or uh, well, you know, they did that. Uh, they did it with um, like independent characters and stuff when they would do their their book coverage you know and yeah. i mean still even of us i mean and i cover them pretty good but it's still not it's not a, it's really not uh it's it's not uh a, a, a replacement for reading the books because we right. cover it, but there's totally still, yeah so uh <laughs> but uh so yeah uh, right now no plans 
because there's just so much coming out. Once I hit a lull and I'm caught up, maybe because there's a few things that I've been uh, other things I've been playing that I've been enjoying. But right now, no plans. So that's that. Um, so you know what? We're gonna take our first break. We're gonna come right back, uh, and we are gonna jump into the quest for Dalmaraz. So we'll be right back, folks. Woo-hoo. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. We are back. We are back. Okay, folks, uh, skipping news and rumors in the toolbox in favor of getting through these two books because we are covering both the Quest for Galmaraz, the the campaign book, the big book from GW, and Quest for Galmaraz, the Black Library book. So I guess we're going to call them the campaign book and the story book. I guess that will work uh, work a little better so that people know which one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, <laughs> I like to start off uh, a lot of times with uh, just some general impressions. Uh, now, John, I know you've got the campaign book, and I sent you the story book. Yep. Uh, campaign book first. What'd you think? I liked it. I thought most of the art was really awesome. I thought you know it was cool to contrast it against the storybook actually, because you know in one book you're getting this high arcing s- storyline and just generally what's happening with a tiny taste sprinkled throughout, you know, some human level action. And then you read the storybook and it fills it all in for you. So you get all the grim details of how people did this, not just the story of what they did. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of the, 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 the campaign book almost reads like a history book. It's just like giving you the, like they moved here, they did this, they moved here, they did that. And then suddenly you step into, you step into, uh, that storybook and it's like you're getting really just in deep into the dirt for the, the these these couple of main characters yeah and it was really cool and then, you know you when, by the time i got to the storybook i already knew what was going to happen but it was still pretty riveting so yeah i'm glad you liked it because i mean the black library sometimes can be a little hit or miss sometimes you know uh i i personally enjoy it but i mean there's times when it can get you know especially since you know where the story's going to go it can get into that whole okay it's just a lot of this fighting and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, I was a time I swore off Black Library books. <laughs> yeah. I think it was after oh God, whoever the Wood Elf, the Wood Elf character name book was. It was just Orion. Yeah, after the Orion book, it was just awful, and that was years ago. I, I read, bought it. 
I ran out of books and I bought it in Hawaii and then I started reading. I was like, man, this is just bad. I read the first two. I never finished the third one. Like I just didn't know where it was going and it was just like, okay, I'm not even certain I care at this point. Like, yeah, that's just it. <laughs> and and I, then you spent like $12 on this book and you're like, well, <laughs> that's the last time that's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. But I think they're great companions for, for one another. Now, this is actually two stories going on here. It's the quest for Galmaraz, but it's also the quest for Alarial. Yes, to yeah, Sigmar, to essentially try and purge the realm of life of Nurgle's taint. Right, um, <laughs> taint. Um, <laughs> so, <Nice. laughs> so um, the way the campaign book breaks up, it starts with Sigmar. Uh, sending Vandis Hammerhand, who's the guy on on the dragon riding the Dracothian, uh, from the first campaign book. He, you know, they found, they have found Galmaraz. They know where it is, and he's sending him and a group of Stormcast Eternals to go get that. Meanwhile, there's a whole group that has been in the realm of life, looking. He that uh, Sigmar has sent. Alarial's kind of gone missing. Like, they had this whole, you know, this whole, you know, before Sigmar closed his gates, all of the leaders of the different realms were sort of working together, and then they sort of drifted apart, and then Nagash sort of, you know, betrayed them all. Alarial went back to the realm of life and was defending it, and then sort of, like, just stopped contacting anybody. Right. I think as the Age of Chaos really took root, she just went into her own little world there and kind of went crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and so like nobody even knows where she is. Like she's like almost in hiding. Everybody attacked, but Nurgle's the one who's there now. Like everybody else is doing their thing. Nurgle is determined to destroy and poison the realm of life. And uh so he's got warriors over there whose task it is is to find her and help get rid of Nurgle and to reforge this alliance with Alarial. So these are the two stories and it kind of jumps back and forth between them. And uh, in the uh, storybook, the first one is the story of uh, Gardas, who is the uh, leader of the troop in the Realm of Life. And then the second story, they finish off with uh, the story with Vandis uh, trying to get uh, Galmaraz, uh, you know, back from from um, from the where Fricks. it's been. Yeah, and from the Sinchi fellas. Yeah, yeah. yeah those well, guys I think are weird. I like that. Yeah, it was really interesting. Those parts were really cool. But there's some, there somewhere I don't know if it was in the campaign book itself, but there was some backstory about Thostas attacking Afrix's castle, and that's when they discovered that Galmaraz was there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how Vandis going after Afrix starts. I'm not even sure if that's how yeah. you pronounce that, but that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I thought it was Afrix, but uh, either way, but that's on, actually that's on page eight of uh, of the of the campaign book. Okay. Thostus is uh, Thostus is going in, and uh, the Celestial Vindicators are are charging. It's it's another. It's basically just another battle in the in the realm of of Chamon, the or Shaman, the uh, realm of metal. Sure. And they're fighting, and this is where Efrix, uh They're getting in there, and they're blasting their way in. And Efrix is trying to actually use the Celest the the that's the Celestial Vindicators is the is the chapter, or the um you know the the group. Um, he wants to steal the. Stormcast Eternal's energy, like that uh, magical energy that binds them. He wants to use that to fuel his magic. Yeah, he's got that castle that somehow sucks their their souls into the skulls on it or something like that. Right, yeah. And he's he got needs all the, it to power those spells. Right, he's got all the bronze skulls and he wants to power the spells. Um, and he thinks they'll be easy kills and he can get them and he's dead wrong. Um, 
in fact, as he goes in, they just uh, Thostus is kind of crazy. Uh, he just yeah. <laughs> these guys charge in there, and he's just he's like, yeah. The more the the more he kills Thostus's men, the angrier Thostus gets, and just starts smashing them. Um, I think his whole chapter is that way. You know, read about later on when they're battling in Elixia, when they just lose their crap and just start charging off after the enemy <laughs> right but that's and that's a weird thing we're going to get to later that's after he's been reborn again and he's different yeah and there's a start. lot that they mention it in the campaign book but in the storybook in that intro they really sort of jump into it it's a lot about how much of your soul is getting torn away every time you get reborn how much of you are you losing as you come back it's pretty interesting story thing that they're touching down here and i'm wondering how much they're going to keep going back to it mm-hmm. i agree because it and adds they a little touch on it all the time yeah because it adds a little gravitas to the whole oh well you know wait so the good guys get killed and then they just go back to sigmar and get new armor and come back that's kind of you know that's that's kind of a you know, at, at first you look at that if you're not a big fan of you know the 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 stormcast eternals you're like well that's kind of cheap so the good guys just always just keep coming back for <laughs> right. you, know, you know what I'm saying like you there's just no, there's no penalty you you can't die so <laughs> right exactly well no they're kind of they're starting to realize that there is like we're not coming back the same every time and that's that's really interesting but basically that whole intro is that when Thostus is there Efrix panics and unleashes this huge spell that kills them all because he can't suck up all their energy. <laughs> and they're going to get into the castle, and basically Thosta smashes a crack in the wall, and yeah, the energy of reaches Gal- the castle. <laughs> yeah, and that's when he panics and just kills them all. And of course, that energy flashes through. They all see it. Sigmar sees it through their eyes, and he's like, "Up, oh, there's my oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> there's my hammer." <laughs> so, um, now what's really great, and I think even before we get to that is in the now well you know what let's hit this sigmar's last battle thing which is really cool in the beginning book so uh it turns out that you know sigmar's been you know doing he's they've all him and all the 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 heads of all the realms are fighting against chaos and before nagash's treachery which we still don't know that much about um you know sigmar's unstoppable as long as he's got galmaraz he just keeps smashing these guys back, and chaos cannot win. Right. <laughs> and uh, they get into this huge battle, and it's way before the age of chaos. Guess who shows up but Archeon? <laughs> of course Archeon shows up, because when you really need something destroyed, get Archeon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he shows up with four greater demons, and just like, you know, Sigmar's done it before... You know, um, the the high uh, the elves have done it before. You kill four greater demons. You know, so Sigmar's going around with the hammer, smashing all their heads in. Yeah. Well, the names for these things are kind of funny because they those four demons are called the Tetrax of Ruin. Oh yes, yes, the Tetrax <laughs> of Ruin. They they got to have a fancy name. You know, they got to. That's got, true. It's, if it's, they ever get a T-shirt, that would you know they're they're going to need a name to put on there. You know? Exactly, because well, let's face it, if they can beat Sigmar, they're going to be the chaos equivalent of rock stars, and so they got to have their boy <laughs> band name, the Tetrax of Ruin. Yeah, and, uh, so this so it's the Battle of the Burning Skies, and yep. the Tetrax of Doom sh- of Ruin show up. Sorry, no, go ahead. <laughs> and and yeah, so, go ahead. Sorry, no, do it. Go take it. 
<laughs> I got to turn the page of my book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the artwork on these pages are really awesome too, by the way. I like it. I, it's sort of this, it's a, it's newer artwork. It's sort of, uh, it's a little more, uh, I don't know. It's, it looks like a little more like a, like a, like a marker work than some of the paint work you've seen in some of this artwork. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's a different style, but it looks hand drawn. It's yeah. not computerized BS and, no, it's some cool. of the lightning bolts going on, it look look like they might be, you know, computer computer laid over, but I don't think they are. And then, so he's just battling each of these greater demons. <laughs> but there's here here is Sigmar coming down from the sky, hammer overhead, about to crush the corn guy. <laughs> then there's Sigmar jumping up from the ground, about to crush the Nurgle guy. Then there's Sigmar holding the hammer, tapping it against his fist, looking at the the Slanesh about, guy. Yeah, thinking about getting it on with the Slanesh guy. Yeah, <laughs> slash girl. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, whoa, six boobs. <laughs> <laughs> then there's Sigmar holding up the hammer ready to smash. Dezinch fella. Dezinch fella, yeah. And then, oh, I love this, seven times Sigmar led the charge, his barely united coalition crashing deep into the enemy ranks that passed beyond the horizon. Seven times they threw back their chaos foes, reaping a great tally with each clash. On the eighth time, Sigmar shouted his world-shaking war cry and charged forth to meet the four foes he had defeated long ago, the demon kings of chaos, known to their legions as the Tetrarchs of Ruin. Yep, there they go. <laughs> so he smashes them all in, and after he smashes them all, then the fifth picture is him just whipping Galmaraz because he sees Archaon standing yeah. there and he's like that's it and he does one he, he pulls a Thor he gives it a good spin and whips it at him except it's not Archaon it's a trick yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a mirage and, so it's uh, really a rent a, a rent a chaos rent <laughs> created yeah. by the Zinch fella and so he chucks it in there and it goes right into the realm of chaos and now it's like whoops <laughs> so he can't get it back and it just basically flies away and he's like uh oh <laughs> I'm trying to watch my mouth here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate it. Makes, makes for a less editing, but yeah, yeah. First so, you say it, then you do it. So, um, they had to leave. Basically, it's like, uh oh. So, because he, yeah, with, so they skin out of there, and then apparently the Nexus Wars start. Whatever, but we don't know really know what the heck the Nexus Wars are at this point. To my knowledge, I thought that what the Nexus Wars was, and I think that has to do with Archeon. Isn't that the the Nexus Gate? Isn't that like the big realm gate that connects all the realms? That's like the the main Silver hub path or something that the Dwarden created. Am I missing something? I, I'm not certain. I I've, I was under the impression that there's like one big realm gate that's like the hub, like you know. Okay. You know, like a uh, like a traffic circle, like all of them come to that point, <laughs> and I kind of I thought Archaon was taking that over. <laughs> a big interdimensional roundabout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got you, buddy. I'm with you. I, I could be wrong because I, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's so much stuff going on here, and I haven't gotten yeah. it all down yet. It's like, you know, they're trying to give us all of this quickly because that's what's everyone's beef been since this stuff's come out. Well, what's we have no third, yeah, we have you no killed the old world, you, you yeah. bastards. And so now they're like, well, here, take it. Every month they hand me a huge book. It's like, okay, I'm trying. <laughs> but uh, so, um, yeah, so now he doesn't have the book. And that then it leads to everything. You know, he, that's where he closes the, go the gates. All this stuff happens. And that's basically, he, he can't beat them without it. And I love there's a part in here somewhere that talks about Galmaraz saying it's not really just a hammer. It's like it's it's a symbol of his power. It's the hammer. It's it's a part of his power. It's a part of him. Like, he's not whole without it. It really kind of does remind me of Thor's hammer if you read the comic book. So if he's separated from it for too long, he just right. doesn't have his power. And so 
Now, yeah. uh, now I agree with that impression. So th- now the, the the book jumps into a cool part here where he's being reformed, where uh, uh, Vandis is waking up to be reformed. Are you talking about the storybook or the campaign book? <laughs> well, in the campaign book, they got the Vaults of Sigmar on. I want to kind of jump back and forth here because what the storybook does, and the storybook gives you... Now, I have to say this, and I know it's weird. The coolest parts in the storybook are the parts that aren't anywhere in the... Uh, in the, the campaign uh, part. The campaign book, yeah. Because this second story is called the, uh, the Eldritch Fortress. And you get this prologue that's centuries ago... Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. With yeah. Solemnus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's jump into this really quick because this is really cool. You get uh, this uh, woman. Her name's... Uh, Solemnus. Yeah, Solemnus. And she's in this city in, in, in Shemon, in the realm of, in the realm of uh, metal. Metal, yeah. And Chaos is just, like, you know, smashing down the doors. And she's like... Okay, and of course the guy in charge is just like one of these pencil pushing, you know, uh, you know, government <laughs> types. And she's like, you know, he's the high alderman, and she's like, we have to. She's like, free the hammer, let it go, let it go back to Sigmar. And of course, it's interesting to hear an outsider's view of Sigmar because she's faithful. She's like, we have to let it go. We shouldn't have had it this whole time anyway. Let it go. Give it back to Sigmar. And what does he go? He believes Sigmar is dead. Yeah, um, we've had this conversation many times, my dear. He said the high alderman rolled up the tin scroll. He's still filling out paperwork while the <laughs> walls are shaking because um, chaos is at the gates. <laughs> yeah, chaos is at the gates. There is no one to return it to. The only way Sigmar would have parted from his hammer is if he were dead. The oracles told us he was tricked into casting it away. The oracles went mad not long after the gods abandoned the realms. Why do you trust books written a century ago? Because the oracles prophesied this, Alderman. Let us offer a prayers and unlock the shrine. Let him know where it is. The Alderman radiated defeat. He had no more left of himself. And why should we? If the oracles were correct and Sigmar himself cast it away, why should we return it to him? He left us. His hammer was drawn here by fate. Who are we to question fate? Everyone should question fate when it dances to Zinch's tune. The armies of chaos are breaking through the walls. The hammer cannot protect us, not anymore. We should never have kept it. And it's going back and forth, and he's like, oh, it's ridiculous. You know, and he... Finally, when it looks like she might actually convince him to let the thing go, it's too late because what's-his-name shows up. The doors bust open. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Frick shows up. Yeah. And I love it. He's in love with Solemnus. He's like in love with this girl. Like he used yeah. to live there, except he gave himself over to 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 Zinch. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then you get this weird sort of bizarro love story in there. He's like, you know, stay with me and, and I'll spare you. And she's like, nope. He's like, I tell you what, you've got 50 days. to. Ch- it's going to take me 50 days to prepare what I need to do. And you've got that long to change your mind. And he locks her up in a tower. And there's like yeah. a little window, and she watches as he, as him and all the chaos forces literally destroy the entire city. They level the city around her and build up this fortress around Galmaraz. And it's <laughs> the fortress is this fortress is crazy that he builds. Like he, yeah, they talk about the the levels of building that they put around the thing just to keep it because the, if the chaos worshippers look upon it, they die. Yes. Yes, if yeah, if they look on, they can't even look at it, and if uh, and and you want to lock in all that power because they don't want, 
they don't want uh, um, Sigmar to know where it is. To figure it out, yeah. And I can't... What I, part are you looking for? I'm just looking for like the, the list of all the things. Uh, oh, I got it here. So there's a lead cairn. Okay. And then a stone. It's on page 144. Oh, there it is, a, yeah. A stone keep. Um, well, of course, that's the only parts of it I wrote down. <laughs> okay, and then the, the, okay, so there's a lead cairn, and then around that a stone keep, and then the giant tower encased that. And there was other stuff going on, but it's just ridiculous. So after 50 days, uh, he asks her, okay, so are you coming with me or no? And she basically spits in his face. Yeah. Like basically. Which she physically did earlier during the first confrontation in the right in the room. Um, so... But, uh, yeah, she's not having any of it. <laughs> um, so he calls in the executioners who basically uh, dip her in... Uh, Molten silver. <laughs> yeah. They dip her in liquid metal and they, she comes out. And it's amazing how if you take someone and just dip them in metal, they come out as a perfect statue. Now, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. You know. It's like only this guy and Dr. Fibes get away with that. You think they'd be moving and twitching. Like Han Solo looked all weird after the Carbonite, <laughs> but she comes out like a perfect statue, you know? Yeah. I mean, the technology when that Star Wars film was made was, was pretty low-key, so maybe they just couldn't make them look pretty. <laughs> I, can, I got a few extra pets around here. We can test this. Oh, there you go. Works. <laughs> <laughs> they better but, stop being uh, naughty kitties, I suppose. Uh, yeah, they won't leave me alone right now, in fact. I'm trying not to yell at them. <laughs> but uh, So they knock all statues over in the city, and she's the last statue left standing. Right, that, because she's in it, which is just right. like, ugh. So, I mean, that was just really cool. But then we get to this part, like I said, and I wanna, I'm going to actually kind of just stick with a couple of bits from the... Uh, from the storybook because you get to Vandis, you know, if you're reading in the, if you're following along in the campaign book, Vandis wakes up in Sigmaron or Sigmaroon or whatever it's called. And, uh, you know, before that happens on page 146, there's a, just a note that somehow whenever Cass conquers a realm in Azur, the bell of lamentation tolls. Oh yeah. So somehow Sigmar is aware that another realm just fell or another city just fell, or maybe another, uh, loyal person to him just died or something because like he's there just working at a forge and he hears the bell of lamentation toll and then he starts bawling or shedding tears I oh guess. that's but, right yeah okay so, i mean that's an interesting little tidbit like he's aware that everything or everything outside of azure is collapsing um and he's working his ass off to try and keep it all together you know get to a point where he can do something about it but and then they jump into vandis awaking on page 147. Right. Oh, that's right. He returned his attention to his forge, and his tears fizzled on hot metal as he took up his tools again. So he didn't that just... That was abandon. an interesting little note, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, 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 I mean it's, it was kind of... I love this chapter, this prologue, only because you see that the people, when he closed those gates, people were like, Sigmar abandoned us. Right. And it, and it hurt him to do it. It wasn't just like, because there's a couple of times it's like Sigmar was just pissed and closed the doors. It was like, this is it. <laughs> Had enough, you idiots. <laughs> exactly. And that's not the case. He's just like, listen, this, we lost. And he was. And, uh, you know, there's that whole point in one of the other books where, you know, when they were betrayed by Nagash and where he could have been fighting the battle, but he was just running around the realm of death trying to kill Nagash because he was so angry. <laughs> so... There's like sort of that going on too. It's like this whole okay, my plan failed. Now I've got to do something else, and people are dying because I failed. So it's kind of cool to see that that little side of him because, 
right now you don't get a lot of Sigmar anymore. He's he's getting to be almost like the Emperor, where you just see him in little bits and bobs, and everyone looks at like the, there's a part where Vandis goes in. They could barely look at Sigmar at this point anymore, you know. Yeah, so well, maybe now that after this book, he's got his hammer back. He'll start showing up and kicking butt and taking names. Finally, I, I'm guessing he's going to be handing the hammer off to the to the people who are going to be running it. That's where you're going to see the other guys showing up with his hammer, doing his doing his job. He's got a you know he's he's the general. He's got a he's going to be running it from the base. You know, sending yeah. people out. Like maybe Vanda's hammer hand. <laughs> yeah, or that uh, or the Celestin, whatever that guy is. The what is it? The Celestin Prime. You know, the guy with the the guy who flies on the oh sure uh, yeah that guy I know so so i'm reading this in the book and vandis wakes up he's reborn that this is where he used or if you remember uh this is where corgus cool was going to kill him he couldn't beat him in, in hand-to-hand combat and the realm gate was about to open and let chaos in so he just grabs and <laughs> grabs the gate with both hands to sigmar take me home and, and sigmar sends a lightning bolt down. <laughs> yeah that happens a few times, actually, or something similar with the realm gates and these dudes sacrificing themselves. Well, hey, they know it's it's you know, it will, and that's part of it is that the, at the beginning they're willing to sacrifice themselves. Like, okay, fine, boom, you know, we're just going to be reborn. We'll come back. But this yeah. is where he wakes up. I love how he thinks his clothes on. That's okay. Hold yeah, on. like he he thinks and his armor just kind of floating around him and appears and his hammer appears. And- yeah, I was reading here. What is it? Uh. Light of a different sort grew. Shining shapes revolved around Vandis. Burnished plates of golden armor that orbited him in stately dance. Vandis reached for them with a thought. Lightning leapt from his skin to the armor plates, pulling them sharply into place until he was clad in the raiment of a Lord Celestine once more. And then it was a twinge affected him. Strange thoughts intruded upon his dressing. He felt there was a hollow space in his mind, as if in returning home he had chanced upon an unknown door and opened it to find an empty room pregnant with disquiet. And then it talks about how he feels kind of weird. And, uh, you know, people are looking at him funny when he goes through and stuff like that. Like, there's weird stuff going on. And they they, they keep, like I said, the, the, the book really sort of delves into this whole they feel different when they get back. Right. You know? They they touch on it a few times, so there is some kind of evolution going on. I, I think they're being more it seems like they're just forgetting who they used to be and becoming more like fate you know, they have this faceless mask, they all look the same. I think their their mentalities shift in that way too, you know, it seems like right. their personalities are going, they're just becoming more stoic. Eventually they'll just be dudes without faces or personalities. Going right. around smashing stuff. <laughs> well, because even in the book, in the in the campaign book, when you get to the part around page twenty four and twenty five where they talk about Thostus Bladestorm, mm-hmm. there's a little fluff piece in there, and he sees him, and Thostus had come back, and Thostus was like not joking anymore, and was very serious. All the like, he was already pretty serious, but they're walking. It's like, you know, he just seemed like he didn't give any answers, and he walks over and he goes, "Forgive me, but I have to ask you: your has it changed you? You're forging. Has it changed you? Are you true? Are we truly eternal?" Thoughts to stop for a second and met Vandis's gaze behind the mask, and he looks at him. He just says yes and walks away. Like, <laughs> but there's two questions: there. has it changed you, and are we truly eternal? And he just says yes. Like, right. <laughs> and he, and he kind of walks around like he doesn't joke or chit chat with the guys anymore. He just kind of stands never- around until a battle starts. Right, and then he kind of becomes himself again. Yeah, but even more so, like they're like, dude, he's reckless now. Like he's sort of like he was he was always reckless. Now he's kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's it's kind of neat, kind of watching this this sort of shift happen with him. You know, right? Well, um, somehow he got the power to turn into 
pure what do they call it solemnite or what, what no they that's the swords you know when he gets into the battle his skin turns into yeah like sigmar sigmarite that's what it is yeah it sort of starts crackling around me i'm not quite getting what that was going on either i did, i was not certain what was happening there every time he gets in a battle his body turns into pure solid metal and like nobody can hurt him so he just rushes yeah. in and starts beating the crap out of everything hey i'll take it <laughs> yeah that works i'll go for it <laughs> anyway, um, Fate Weaver shows up in the book, which doesn't even happen in the. It happens in the storybook, not even the campaign book. Um, and it's weird. Fate Weaver is odd. And I was reading something, and I forget where I read it. In which book? Uh, it might have been in the campaign book. How Fate Weaver is one of uh, Zinch's most powerful and most important of his uh, his lords of change. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the one head can see everything in the past and the other head can see everything in the future, but they can't re- literally know everything because seeing the present's a little weird for him. Yeah. Because even Zinch can't see everything. It would, like, it would like mess up his head too much, which is, like, why he has Fate Weaver there. Fate Weaver's there to, like, do the job that would mess with Zinch's head too much. You know, it's, sure. it was a really odd little... Even the exchange between them was weird, where he's looking back and they're arguing with their own heads, like, I did this, nope. Uh, look, no, actually, we didn't do. Yeah, look, I'm looking back, dude. That was my plan the whole time, was it? Because I'm looking ahead, and it looks like we didn't know what was happening. It was, like, <laughs> it was a really bizarre exchange going on. Yeah, it's a cool it's dichotomy between those two. <laughs> yeah. They're the same person, but yeah, that's, those parts are really interesting to read to see. You know, it's just, it's just entertaining, right? Like, yeah, that's one of those parts of the story that I just clung to. But uh, apparently whatever it was that uh, Efrix was going to do, like he could have done the job that he had promised to do for Zinch because uh, he had enough power, but he was getting greedy and trying to do some of his own little stuff on the side. Yeah. And that's when he did that big magical thing to blast them all out and then had and then uh, basically gave away where Galmarez was, and then he had to move the whole fortress. Which was yeah, the- I think his original plan was to bring the fortress and the hammer into Zinch's realm, into the crystal labyrinth or whatever the heck they call it. Right. And that was his original goal, to give the hammer to Zinch or bring it there. And then Kairos gets wind of that, and he decides he wants to be the one to give the hammer to Zinch, and so he starts screwing over a Frix in a few little subtle ways because he, right. he can see the future, so he knows what to do and he knows how to get rid of a Frix. Exactly. And uh, but basically, Efrix want he wants to do he wants to do something else. There was like some other job because he's like he could have already taken it to him, but he wanted to do his little thing. And now he doesn't have enough power, so instead of taking it to him, he just moves the fortress because he yeah. wants more time. And he's like, this screwed things up. Now this is oh, this puts the job in danger. I think he had to move it because he didn't have the strength to take it into through the shard gate or something like that. He, but uh, that, that was what Zinch was. That, that's what Fate Weaver was saying. He would have had the power had he not been doing his own little side job. Uh, like he wasted power doing that crap, yeah. which is why he had to move it. And now everything's in jeopardy. And now we have to save him. And he's like, "Well, screw it. Who cares if he survives?" <laughs> it's you know, that, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we get. Uh, we get this cool battle where they show up where it should be. Um, one of the interesting things is uh, Thostus goes and talks to Ionis. What? And this is one of what the page. And what book are you working on here? Uh, I'm kind of in. Both you, you're of bouncing them. around a bit. <laughs> well, it's into the shattered city uh, is the okay. part in the, in the campaign book where they're, they're going into the, the place that was the, where Solemnus was killed. 
Okay. Um, in the uh, in the uh, in the storybook, it's like chapter three and four. Um, in the second story, though. In the second story, yeah. Okay, I gotcha. And uh, I wanted to hit this real quick. Uh, you know what? Actually, let's take a break because it's break time, and uh. we'll come back and we'll we'll do this this story about how they get into the city where they think the fortress is, but it ain't. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mierce Miniatures at MierceMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. Back, suckers. Continuing <laughs> <laughs> the tale. <laughs> so we're going to get into chapter three here in the storybook then. Talking about um, Stormcast Eternal arriving. Yeah. Now, at the bright Torgate. This is uh, this is pretty cool. Now, one of the things I like about this part, and this is something that gets kind of skipped a little bit in the uh, in the in the campaign, campaign book, book, is this yeah. conversation with with uh, Iona's Cryptborn. Uh, they talk about him. They, they cover him a little bit. He gets a little more backstory in this book, which is nice because he's sort of an oddball character. He's like their sort of magic user, and you get a bit of stuff about him. You know, we'll find a way through. All this will happen. Um, well, the story begins here. Um, you got Sigmar's people rebuilding Androk, which is pretty interesting. So they're, you know, the Stormcast have come in and, claimed part of it and made a base. Oh, that's and right, that's Sigmar's right. got artisans and wizards trying to heal the realm. So that's pretty interesting, just off the get-go. And then all these storm hosts show up. Oh, um, that's right. That's when when they did, in the last book, in the first book, the the actual, the Gates of Azir, when they opened the gates, that's their yeah, foothold. Get, so he shows up. Get some beachheads going. <laughs> yeah, so he shows up and the beachhead is, yeah, like you, as you put it, is, is, is built and is going. And they've got to get to... Uh, 
they've got to get to this city though, where he knows Lixia, I where, think it is where they're be. headed. Yeah. Um, so then, now to get to where you were, Vandis and Ionis are discussing Thostos and how he's different after he was reborn. Right. And so uh, I've got this marked here. Where is it? uh, it's on page one sixty nine. Right. Um, oh, and page one seventy, Ionis says, "Warriors died and returned. Alteration is inevitable." And Ionis is of the realm of death, so he's really in touch with death. Whenever he's reborn, he comes back really fast too, faster than anybody else. Yeah. Um, but he also says that a part of the Sigmar warrior is stolen away by death before rebirth. Yeah. So he, he starts giving some real real good details on what's going on there. And then on page 171, like it comes back and he says that Sigmar makes up for the shortfall um, in the reborn warriors somehow. He doesn't really specify how. Um, but so between page 169 and 171, they're discussing how the rebirth is affecting the Stormcast Eternal. Yeah, okay, yeah, because it starts off, yeah, with that, that 169, he talks about Vandis, how he speaks only a little, what he says is distant. I must Thostos. strive for his, Yeah, Thostos, I'm sorry. Uh, his eyes burn with blue fire. The air crackles around him, and all who approach him feel the heat of his rage, and he's <laughs> not alone. And he's like, yeah. He goes, no wonder, you know, this stuff. And he goes, I spoke with him. He's acting weird. Uh, it's, yeah, 170, you got a great part here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he goes, you know, because even uh, even uh, Iona says, I, you know, I have two masters, and you know that. And he goes, well, okay, listen, then explain to me what's going on. I don't understand this. We're promised eternity to bring war on the minions of the four, but I didn't expect it to take this course. I, you know, he's like, wait a minute, I was promised eternity. This this is not what I signed up for. Look at him. Like, you know, like. You know, <laughs> and that dude's a weirdo now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh so and it talks about also that he carries uh, that Ionis he's a Lord Relictor he car- carries a heavy reliquary the bones of a hero from the age of myth in an open casket upon a staff <laughs> that kind of reminds you of the 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 Bretonians with the relic you know those guys carrying the the Grail relic yeah the yeah ca- I agree <laughs> the just cas- carrying around a dead yeah. body <laughs> yeah the casket was surmounted by a starburst of gold and many other fittings of metal besides it was heavy but Ionis carried it as if it was nothing. How is it inevitable? Death is a constant. It wraps everything, binding all fate as tight as a funeral shroud. One day, all this will die. Sigmar will die. You and I will die. The four will die. We are eternal, yes, but even eternity is not without end. When all else is dead, then death will be the last to die. Sigmar defies death with his magic, plucking us from the underworld and reforging our mortal form. Death is jealous. When our warriors skirt the borders of that dark country, a part of them is stolen away. None can defy Sigmar, said Vandus. Death can, Vandus. Death only seeks to take its due. Sigmar is the thief in this affair, not death. And so death snatches at our spirits, and we return to this life a little diminished as we pass by. The shortfall has to be made up somehow. And that's when he's like, Sig- how? Sigmar's the lord of the storm. And that's, that's why he's got that bit, you know. <laughs> hey, don't say Sig how. That's, uh... Did I say Sig how? Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoops. Edit. <laughs> no, Sorry. how Sigmar is the Lord of the Storm. And, uh, you know, so, you know, he basically, he that's where you're seeing, uh, you know, Thostus has got that crackle with that blue energy. He's just filling him up with storm magic. Right. Like where it's missing. It's like, oh, that's, ooh, that can't be good doing that too many times. Yeah. And maybe, you know, as they pass through that realm of death, you know, someone like Thostus goes through, and somehow he got too far gone, but Snick, Sigmar still snatched him back, but he had to use more magic to do it. So now Thostus is kind of a weirdo in his rebirth. Yeah. So, you know, something like that could be the case. 
and maybe they'll get into it. Um, yeah, but Ionis comes back, but he's already got a deal because he's from the realm of death. So he's got something else going on here where he can get back without being changed. Right, but, but that's because he's got some sort of odd deal. I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this whole process. Um, but then one other important part comes up, and that's where Vandis tells Ionis he's having these visions, and he doesn't know if they're good or if they're evil. Yeah, if they're true or if it's just some kind of BS that Chaos is putting upon him. And Ionis tells him, well, uh, there's only one way to find out. And he's like, well, I don't want him. He goes, well, look at the visions, and if they come true, then they're real. And if they don't, then they're fake. You then know? ignore them. <laughs> then you're going crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, that's all you can do. He goes, well, you know, just welcome them when they come and see what happens. And, uh, you know, that's all you can do. And that sort of sets up something for later in the story. But uh, I just thought that was an important part where they where they really touch down on what happens to these guys. Uh, and that's when the landslide happens. They get ambushed by beast men. Well, yeah, they're, they're tra- traveling down the road created by the Dordan. Which is somehow still there and still perfect. <laughs> and Dwarf make, man. It's still it's a symbol of quality. And then, yeah, all of a sudden the walls start falling down in these valleys and the beastmen are up there shoving rocks over on them. Yep. And then, you know, I feel bad because, like, the beastman is just like, hey, we need some bad guys that are going to just get wiped out real fast. But the the whipping boys of all eight realms. (laughs) (laughs) They really are. I mean, it's like, you know, when 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 chaos can't be bothered to send in their own actual demons, just send in the I mean, even the Skaven have like almost elevated over that because like they're actually in the realm of chaos, you know, now every once in a while they'll snipe a leader or (laughs) kill because when the Skaven show up, lots of Stormcast die because they got Storm Fiends and Snipers and yep. the, the rats themselves are worthless, but a lot of death still happens. But the Beast Men, they're just <laughs> yeah, like, they're all, they knock all these rocks over on the Stormcast and then they hear them up there laughing. So then it's Lord Celestine's on the Dracos bound up there and just slam all. Yeah, I know. It's just... They're led by this mutated Beastman shaman who can't do anything. Just like nothing happens. They just go up there and kill him. Like, yeah. And they take Vanus takes his head back down to show everybody he killed him. I really I really at some point they need to get some love. I'd like to see them become something more than just just fodder because they kind of have become at, at least so far they're just fodder. I mean, you know, chaos the you know the the basic core, the, you know the 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 Nurgle the the four what is it the you know the blood letters and the plague bearers. They've always been sort of fodder as well, but they're Right, but you they're know, demons, so they're right, just exactly. They're just they're kind of like Stormcast. They they can be reborn. Their little spirit just goes off somewhere else. Right, they just go back to the realm of. De- they're not even anything. They're just an extension of his will. And when it's trashed, it goes back to him, and he just makes more. The beastmen are like at, at least they're beings. They, they 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 get killed, and they don't even get to come back. They just they're just <laughs> screwed on every level. <laughs> it's just like I kind of feel bad for them. So well, they're they're evil bastards. Well, <laughs> still, you but you know. <laughs> So then, so, uh, finally, they get to the Shattered City. Yeah, so, well, there's a note on page 174, back to what we were talking about before, about there were some celestial vindicators that died for the third time that same day, and Vandis oh. hears what they'll become. So he, he touches on that yet again, and then they got to clear the road to continue. And then it jumps into chapter 4, where they're finally approaching the city. 
Now, this is fun. They start walking through the city, and it's, it's, I mean, it's a dead city. This place has really been leveled. They haven't yeah, gotten ruins. Yeah. And as they're walking through, like, all the streets, you know, they got the buildings in the streets. Everything's kind of small. They're, you know, I'm, you're, if you're going to picture it almost like a, I, I kind of picture it in a 40K sense where it's a lot of, you got a lot of buildings and a lot of th- narrow streets. So there's a lot of, you know, there's, it's, everything's narrow choke points and stuff like that. There's no room for, right. to, there's no room to bring, battle. The, yeah, there's no room to bring your full force to bear. This is a place where you, you know, and of course, ambush. Yeah, in the in the square of living blades, they're ambushed. Yeah. <laughs> and of Which course, is where the statue of Solemnus still stands. Right. And so, so they're, they're fighting. And Ionis feels something weird in the square of living blades. He's like, something's not right here. I wonder what it is. <laughs> the guy from the realm of death who can feel death is like, hmm. But uh, Thostis is just like, he's just he's just wandering through. Do, 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 do. Fight! <laughs> like he yeah. sees them and just goes Ooh. charging off, and and Van is like, "Wait, no!" And he's yeah, just, so they break lines. Then they, well, the ambush is huge. It's like a massive army, not just oh, yeah. a small ambush. Oh no, they're and getting ambushed from every angle. Thostos and the Celestial Vindicators break the lines and just start pursuing all these Zinch warriors, and they leave Vanus's flanks open. Oh yeah, but he doesn't care. Like Vanus cares, <laughs> but Thostos don't give a. A crap no so he's just charging after these people <laughs> yeah he just go i mean he does he loses it he goes bananas and just takes off and, then, and like oh, wait a minute wait no wait, no this isn't good now <laughs> apparently he's not only lost his personality he's lost his sort of sense of how to actually you know his tactics yeah <laughs> he, maybe they shouldn't keep him as the leader <laughs> yeah is what you call a loose cannon, my friend. This guy is becoming really good as a second in command. Like this is, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Just once the battle starts, he just charges off and doesn't. But he's he's impervious, so it doesn't matter. Oh, exactly. Right? He's like, like a whirling dervish. Point him at the thing you need kill it that needs killing, but don't leave him in charge because everybody goes follows him, and now they've got. Uh, so this battle is getting this battle yeah, is getting so, hectic. So Vandis on page one seventy nine, he challenges the orchestrator of this, <laughs> this is ambush, great. and then he gets mocked like by this laughter in the city, and then like page one eighty, the ghosts start to rise. Well, remember um, that he he did it with Corgus Cool in the last book, where Cool is about to put that skull of his friend on top of the mountain, and he's like, "You wanted my skull? I thought no skull was good enough, but mine." Like Corgus Cool's about to reach demonhood. Yeah. And he taunts him. I thought my skull was only good enough. What? Uh, what? Uh, okay. Uh, oh, so. And, the, and there lies the difference between the Co- corn bros and the zinch bros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He calls out. He, so he tries it again. Come on. Face me, bro. You, do Bring you even it. lift? And the zinch guy's like, Psh, get out of here. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, not, exactly. So, so then, well, the ghosts start to rise from the streets on page 180. Yeah. And then this manticore with a lord arrives flying in the sky. All the blood. It's all the blood that draws her forth. And so all these, uh, yeah, all the, the the ghosts come out. And they've got all these swords that not only are killing the... Yeah, these, these ghostly solemnite blades appear and just start killing everyone. Yeah, and they're cutting right through... Yeah, they're cutting through uh, uh, Sigmarite armor like it's paper. Yeah. And they're like, wait a minute, that ain't right. Right, and then twelve more manticores arrive. <laughs> yeah, because you know that, that was funny. <laughs> Just twelve manticores show up. <laughs> yeah. But I think the the chaos lord here is some kind of menagerie of monsters, so it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then on page one eighty one, Solemnus's ghost itself arrives, 
Right. Well, it's a banshee. Like they don't realize yeah. it's Ionis who realizes who it is. It's her. Like oh wait, that ghost looks just like that statue. Yeah, and he he reads the placard on it or something. He yeah. Somehow he knows it based on what's there, and then she wails and starts killing chaos and stormcast alike, and then yeah, she is the banshee to fire off with the yeah yeah she's definitely a banshee. <laughs> um, and well, then Vandis has the light of his lantern, so he's trying to to fight off the what she's doing, and he starts pleading with her to come to the stormcast cause, and th- that they're fighting the same enemy. Right. It doesn't it, now. Is it this part or is it later that he actually takes the blade from the reliquary that he's carrying and hands it and to like her? Offer, it's either here or it's later at the Dragon Fate d- d- Deus that he. I think it might be after this, but basically, no. She gives it back to him later. I yeah. think this is the part where he gives it to her. Yeah, he offers it to her. Like he's making nice. He realizes this is because he calls her the the first lady of the blades because that's actually who she was. She was like the best sword maker in the land. Right, and the reason that her swords can cut through armor and cut through anything, even though they're ghostly swords, is because she would actually take hair out of her head. Yeah, and a mix strand it, of hair. A strand of hair. So it was like part of her in each of these blades. So you think like, that would weaken a blade? Like <laughs> they would be snapping all the time, but I guess not. Well, I guess just one hair would probably burn into it, but it would make yeah. it give it magical properties. So I guess you know. However. But uh, what's cool after that is she's screaming and all their ears are bleeding and guys are dying left and right. And he does this and he talks to her and she looks at him and she looks around and he's like, we're not your enemies. And then she looks at him and she leans back her head and does another scream. And it's like, "Uh uh-oh, except now he doesn't hear it. And then all the chaos just die. Yeah, (laughs) it was like, but she like, she like tuned him out. It's like, no, I'm not screaming at you. (laughs) uh, That was kind of really cool. That that whole scream that it just doesn't get to her, but that's when now Vandis has, has another vision. vision to where the <laughs> yeah. fortress. But now, um, then Lord Merrick shows up with his with his manticores. He's funny. I like this guy. <laughs> this guy that he's fighting. Where is it? Uh, <laughs> you know the Efrix is a fool and believes that you are, or he goes. Um, yeah, I think that's page 185. Yeah, he's he yeah, yeah, like, Vandis I'll be your America. death. Efrix is a fool if he believes that, and you're a greater fool to say it. And so they start fighting, and he's looking at, what is the fascination with your god for dreary weather? Does he think he impresses us <laughs> with his lightning and thunder? He's a bigger fool than you. Your attacks faltering, and your face is but a portion of the might. Of, you face but a portion of the might of this realm. I'm only one lord, but soon I shall be the only lord. I'll take the hammer. I've been told by the oracle himself that no mortal may take Sigmar's weapon. What hope do you have here? Like he's just totally like, what is your, what's your fascination with the storm? You think I'm afraid of a little couple of clouds? Like he's just making fun of him. Yeah, right before he's taunting Vandis, um, that's when Merrick swoops down. And spears him, so he's literally like carrying carrying him through the air with a spear through his shoulder at this point. Yep. <laughs> and he's just giving him crap. <laughs> but he's like, Vandis is looking down on the battle below, and Sigmar had just sent a bunch of reinforcements. Yep. Um, and then Merrick makes the mistake of getting too close to a building or something, because all of a sudden Thostos leaps up and lands on the manacore. Yeah, that's right. He just starts tearing the manacore apart like with his bare hands. He's like, yeah, he kills Merrick. And yep. then he kills the manacore, and then the whole corpse with Vandis and with Thostos crashes into a temple wall, and then Thostos pulls the spear out of Vandis. <laughs> like, yeah. What's up now? <laughs> yeah, yeah Merrick draws his sword, 
and raised it in a block, but Thostis' hammer shattered it and carried on straight to Merrick's face. The blow was so <laughs> powerful, it obliterated Merrick's head completely. The That's cor- how you know someone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> The corpse spouted blood into the wind and Sid sl- slid sideways in the flying harness. The manticore bucked and twisted, but Thossus would not be shaken loose. The sword in his left hand punched through the manticore's skull and its wings folded. <laughs> it's causing it to fall like a stone. He steps from the dead creature's back, extended a hand to Vandis and hauled him to his feet, then took up the spear and looked questioningly at Vandis. Yeah, Vandis like, do it. And he rips <laughs> it out of him. Like, just, Wow. <laughs> this guy, yeah. he's just like it's ridiculous what he can do now <laughs> yeah it's a and if like if this dude is solid metal would you think the manticore as soon as he landed on him, would have been like whoa that's too much weight <laughs> just yeah. hit the ground i don't anyways. think he's solid metal i just think his armor is tough and i think he's just hardened like i mean he's just tougher <sighs> they make mention of it when we get to those parts i'll i'll point it out i think i, think I took note I think, of it i think that's later in the book because that's uh when uh when they're getting to that final battle that's during that alchemist moon thing when everything's changing because it actually mentions uh, okay, in the gotcha. battle how sometimes they're because the, it says that the, that alchemist moon changes the properties of all metal in the last battle right because there's yeah. part where their armor turns to gold and then turns to lead and then turns to glass or like spun or like spun uh like wire like it, it <laughs> like like it goes from really awesome to super awesome to crap to good like it's just like and it says, like, right. you know, the steel in their hearts was what sustained them at those moments. And it's like, oh, come on, you know. <laughs> That's solid, cheesy stuff, man. <laughs> That's like 50 shades of gray, but for maybe old dudes <laughs> <Yeah>. like us. <laughs> so, well, anyways, so Merrick dies, and then the chaos forces start fleeing the battle because that he's the lord of this part of the realm. Right. And then all of a sudden, all this magic erupts from the tower, and then the stormcasts are, like, climbing up this crater to see that the tower's gone, and yep. then that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, and that's where Vandas has his vision. Yeah, about the silver waterfall being frozen. Right. That was somehow, no, that was right before he got speared by Merrick, before he got carried up into the sky by the Manicor. Um, so that's kind of how they know what to do at this point, though. Well, actually, I think Solemnus takes him on and, and shows him what to do. Um, she takes him over to the falls. Yeah, he asks her for help. He shows her his weapon, and he's like, "Oh, you're you know a good weapon maker." And she smiles at his weapon, gives it back, and she leads him right to the right to that dragon fate Deus, and like you're gonna have to get up there. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, oh, how?" And that's when she points to the dragon fate Deus, which Kelanks or whatever yeah. starts barking at Dracothian. Yeah, and that's actually a lot cooler in the book because he does it for hours. Like they're like. They're like, we can't call on Sigmar for more help. The guys are going to, basically, the troops are going to start to think we're, we're jerks. If every time, Yeah. So, but he's like, well, let's ask Dracothian. Let's ask the actual, you know, the, the dragon god. And he's like, well, um, how are we going to do that? Like, and so then all of a sudden his, his. Uh, Challenge, his little, what do they call this thing? <laughs> yeah, his little, his little, his mini dragon that his he mount, rides on. Yeah. yeah. His, uh. His mount goes up and uh, and just starts, starts howling at for the sky, hours, yeah. <laughs> growling at the sky. <laughs> and finally, Dracothian like hears him and calls back to him, and he's like, "Hey, what's up, little buddy?" <laughs> and check the bread. Check what we need. And text mom. Hold on a sec. Okay. So, um, basically, he calls back and he's like, "Yo, sure, I'll I'll help you out." He goes, "I'm gonna uh, uh, the." And okay, this realm—it's another one of these things which looks kind of neat, and when you describe it, but like, 
it's it's not a planet. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like floating in space. How do people get from level to level in this place? I don't understand how this place works, and I I, I guess I don't have to. Like you just kind of accept it. Like when you see pictures of it in the book, I forget where the picture, what page the picture's on, but it's literally just like floating little islands that are connected by waterfalls of metal. It's uh, page twenty nine. And so apparently the flames of Argentine, who's another big dragon, is corrupted by one of the chaos gods. Right. He is keeping the one level, the great crucible heated and the metal like it turns into a metal waterfall that drops down to the other place and goes around. And then it looks like another dragon is eating it. But then how does that put the metal back up top? Nobody knows. Like It just it's it's this Mm -hmm. bizarre yeah, don't forget about Vitrix, the crystal cockatrice. <laughs> yeah, who seems to be drinking the molten metal as that pours Silver through. Falls. Apparently, yeah. he goes and brings it back up. You know, so yeah, okay. I don't know how it gets back up there, but <laughs> he's got Argentine melting it all on one side, and um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what to say. Maybe there's a little realm gate to take him around, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. And it's like, and I guess it's not important. This is sort of like those, you know, when you read those old myths and legends, you know, from you know, like the Viking myths, man. You exactly. Like it's just whatever. It works. Just shut the up. Dragon and, yeah. <laughs> nibbling at the world tree. Right. Um, if you look on the map on page 29, on the on the right, and it doesn't show where it goes off to, but you got the Silver Way, which I think is one of those Dwarden creations, and um, there's hints of the dwarves all over this place, so maybe they're just living inside these floating <laughs> blocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They, they've got to be somewhere, and they're supposed to get in a book soon, so I'm hoping we'll get some answers. I bet Steve Herner would know that. He built one, so I can have him shake it and see if any dwarves fall out. <laughs> 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 but so basically... Uh, and I thought this was interesting. Dracothian says he'll go up, and what he'll do is he'll go and take up take the fight to Argentine. Argentina, yeah. which will stop heating the the crucible, which will make all the molten silver solidify, and they'll Correct. climb up the waterfall that way. They'll have to climb straight up this waterfall, but then they can get up it and get up there, and then they can get to the fortress and fight. Um, and that's basically the plan. And so Dracothian takes off and starts to fight, and it solidifies. And it's like, all right, up. And that's where we're going to take our next break because that's where the campaign book stops with another that big battle. Oh wait, no, wait, we got to stop because before that happens, the uh, the Skaven attack. Oh yeah, at the Dragon Fate DS. Yeah, and they, all of a sudden these tears appear in reality, and Skaven, of course, storm fiends come out with machine guns blazing. Yeah, exactly. They come in and basically they start tearing things up. And of course, basically a big battle. Skaven get pushed back. Uh, they're all excited except there's this guy Andricus Stoneheart, and he's like, "Yeah, we did it." And he stand up on the dais, and then boom, bullet through the head. <laughs> like as they're running off, one last sniper turns around and snipes this guy out. And of course, then that's where actually that I think this that battle happens before the the before Kalanx calls. Uh, yeah, this battle happened when they get there before Kalanx calls out to uh, calls out to uh, Strakothian because that's right because that was the deal. That's right because the uh, the the Skaven guy uh, talks to uh, 
talks to Fate Weaver, and Fate Weaver's like, uh, let me guess, you want me to, to help you stab your leader in the back so you could take his place? <laughs> How'd you know? He's like, yeah, okay. That's Just exactly it. Stop these guys here before they go any farther. And, of course, they go, they don't stop them, but as they're going out, the sniper shoots the one guy. He's like, damn well, it. On page 195 is one of those scenes where Thostos is running into the battle with a group of bros, and then somehow they get shot by warp fire, and then everybody dies, but Thostos is completely unhurt, and he just goes in and smashes up the Skaven that did it. Right. There's some. There's just times when he's completely impervious. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. It, there's a little. Uh, there's you know, well, you just kind of got to go with it, I guess. Yeah. Nah, it's good to have one guy like that on your side. <laughs> yeah. So, but basically, what winds up happening is, you know, that's they they're gonna climb, and that's where we come up to this 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 stop here. Um, and uh, now we're going to jump over when we come back over to Gardas and his battle with uh, uh, trying to get uh, out of the realm of Nurgle back to the realm of life and to help uh, help Illyrio. So we'll be back in a minute. Check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. We are back. In the realm of life, we've back met. in the saddle again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So now the book jumps over to the other story. Um, the campaign book does. The campaign book, and and we're jumping actually back to the first book, the first story in the uh, story book. Story book. Now you get another prologue in this one that you don't get uh, in. Uh, in the campaign book, this was the war in the hidden veil. Is this story and uh, now, yeah, this story starts at a spot where I was talking about after reading the campaign book, I was really thinking they could do some awesome stuff by just exploring Gardas's time in the Garden of Nurgle, being chased by Bolathrax, and just all the crazy stuff that could happen to him there. And they kind of touched on it, um, and, but he was there for weeks. You know, he was gone for weeks from. The rest of the Stormcasts, who uh, only a few days passed. So it's like the right. time differentiation between these realms is one thing. And um, what's really cool, like he's just 
trudging through. He cannot stop because Bothrax is just taunting him and toying with him, and he's going to kill him. In yeah, theory. So apparently, what had happened was they were fighting, and this the, yeah, this Bolothrax, this great unclean one, is about to do something. Like, I guess he was going to open up a realm gate or something like that. And the only way to stop him was he he wants to kill this guy Gardas, and so Gardas basically goes through and dives into the realm gate. Because Bolothrax was chasing after him or something. Yeah, and so then Bolothrax goes after him and then they destroy the realm gate behind him because he's such a big he's such a big dude that somehow he closes yeah. up the gate and it collapses or just yeah. destroyed well i mean I'm, I'm just kind of picturing the realm gates like in all the in all the in all the models and all the pictures is that t- taller thinner realm gate and right. then i'm trying to picture the great unclean one like shoving <laughs> his bulk into it like just too fat like not the model but the actual like the drawings like the good looking ones like this bro on page 63 right exactly this huge thing yeah and so there he goes and trying to get through and uh and he collapses it and he so collapses then, it so and gardas i think he assumed he would, no he knew he would be he assumed he would be stuck in the garden of nurgle forever i think and he, well, he yeah, did he have to sacrifice that, himself like he he could yeah. never get out yeah, and his friends were all upset. That's one of the cool things that happens in the story is his friend. I love it. It's Gardas who, when you read his backstory, you find out he was like, you know, literally he was a guardian of the weak. And his friend Grim, who is basically very grim, doesn't talk much, has almost no <laughs> friends. Like his best friend is his griffhound. Like he's, that's the only person he's ever nice to. Um, they actually said uh, that there's somewhere in the book that says how Grim could, uh, could take on any, any greater demon. And he could and he could stand against them. And if he didn't beat him by uh, strength of uh, of uh, weaponry, he would uh, bore them to death with his uh, lectures on on their fighting style and how they you know, <laughs> like just like that's this dude. And like Grim is upset, and like the whole troop is upset because Gardas is their leader. And if you just get sucked into the chaos gates, you don't go back to Sigmar. Like that's not dying. That's going right. into another dimension. So. He's like off for eternal torment, and they're all like kind of sad about that because now that's gone. He's gone. their leader, yeah. So yeah. they're without they're without leadership, and he's gone. Like his soul is gone. He's not coming back. So and but meanwhile, he's running. Now two weeks he's been running. Now no no sleep. No. And the ghosts of plague and disease victims are following him and trying to get him to help them somehow. Yeah, and. Bolothrax is chasing after him and toying with him and it's kind of cool they do give some descriptions of the plants and the growths that are in the Nurgle realms um, and then Bolothrax is taunting him on his past and things he had done when he was yeah he you know, calls it by his old name Garadan where are you and he keeps, where are you going where are you going and he knows he's messing with him he's like there's no way he couldn't catch me in this place like right. this is his home this- turf He's powerful. He's more powerful here than anywhere. And then Nurgle is filling up the whole sky. His eyes and his grin are just looking down on this happening, this torment. Yeah. Uh, and then Gardas is just trying to stay sane as he's going. And then come page 14, he sees a light in the distance that isn't like the sickly light of Nurgle. It's like a proper light. And all of a sudden he has hope. So he goes towards it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Which is kind of neat, and he just keeps repeating that little mantra that he has only the faithful, mm-hmm. which is this cool little uh, you know thing I guess that the Stormcast say, and so it kind of what keeps him going in this place. And he's even ma- uh, Bolothrax is even making fun of that. He's just like you know, 
What, why are you even bothering? They, it's funny. They don't want to catch him. They just, they want to break him. Right. And you see that happen a lot, especially with Nurgle. In fact, there's um, and it's in the it's in the campaign book. You know the model, the really cool Nurgle Lord model, the one, the really big one with the with the scythe, with the open sore belly and stuff like that. The really cool model that came out. Mm-hmm. And they finally gave this guy a name. In here, like he's got, a, he's become a named character, or at least the picture of the model, he's got one, and that's him. He was a def- defender in the realm of life. He's like the greatest defender, and of course, they got a hold of him. No, we're not going to kill him. We're going to turn him. That's like the, right. that's that's like their favorite. That's Nurgle's favorite thing to do. I don't want to kill kill you. I'm having yeah, too yeah. much fun with you. Nurgle reminds me kind of like the Joker from Dark Knight. Well, what do you mean I want to kill you? <laughs> this is too much fun. I want you to poison the wells of your own people and bring them to me. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So then cut to like chapter one, page 15 of the storybook. Then we get into the story of the Dirgehorn. Right. Now, the story of the Dirgehorn um, is... Well, the, I don't know. Do you want to start with the campaign book? Because they give some some background on like the Blighted Realm. Sure, or the sure. Kingdom. So on yeah. page 62, it starts by... Just talking about how there's been five centuries of war with Nurgle attacking Garan, and then you know which is the realm of life, and then Alariel's been dormant. She was worn down by the war, um, and they just kind of give a little bit of where we're at at this point. You know, so Nurgle's been all over this place for five hundred years. Five hundred years, <laughs> and still though, like you got like Alariel's people, the Treekin. There's no elves around. Yeah, or elves, <laughs> but there's, so there's no elves around. But the the tree people, the tree kin, the the tree lords, are, they're still around and they're still trying to fight back. But their leader's gone; they're kind of on their own. Got this lady of vines who's sort of taken leadership of it all. Um, yeah, and Alariel is still kind of apparently like sort of leading from behind the scenes, just nobody knows it. Like she's back there, sort of in hiding. Sort of, you know, just influencing things, but not really. Like she's just, she's kind of had it. Like, yeah, and she's like the. You could tell, like the Lady of Vine still knows where she is. They're still in contact with her, and but they're they're just like she. They don't have any faith in her in terms of bringing this back and turning it around. They're you know they're just going about it because that's what they do. They fight Nurgle, you know. Right. So and then cut back to the other book. Like where page fifteen picks up with the dirt, the sound of the dirge horn and the Sylvaneth fleeing the sound of it, um, you get like this dirge horn, this noise that's reverberating across the realm. You know, if if it hits the Sylvaneth, then they they die and they crumble and they turn black and they you know. So there's right. this this dirge horn is keeping them from really doing anything significant, and then that's where the stormcast arrive. Right, and the stormcast, uh, you know, they're they know they've got to stop this this dirge horn thing and this a lot of this and in this particular story um we we were talking off the air and this is like frodo's quest into mordor it really is (laughs) it's a lot of trudging along (laughs) there's a lot of trudging along and it's 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 we have to get all the way over there except the horn sound is making them debilitating yeah it's depressing them they lose faith like there's literally parts where it's like would would dying and going back to Sigma really be that bad? Like, yes, we'd go back in failure, but at least we'd be out of here. And like, you, yeah, you get a lot of them committing suicide along the way. Yeah, they're just like, or they're walking and falling into the into the swamps, and like, where they know they're gonna die from the weird 
octopus thing. Yeah, in there. it's like it's it's pulling them down. They're not fighting back. But even like like Grimm is letting them sleep like every two days. Every two days they break to rest, and yeah. some of them just won't get up. Like he has to like pull them up and be like, "Get up! Let's we got to move." They're like, "No, I can't get up." Like it's sapping their will to do anything. Right, and then so, so like. So then to to build through it, you know, page 17, they give a story of the Hallowed Knights, and then they talk about how Gardas is their leader and he's gone. Page 18, you get an overview on the realm of life and the situation there. Um, right. And if you want to fill in any details, feel free. But you get to page 19, you get the his, history of Alariel and Sigmar, and then that's where cut to, you know, the Stormcasts are still trudging along and they're attacked by all the tentacles from the water, but the prosecutors being the guys who fly around, they push them back. Um, page 20, you know, still trudging along. They're talking yep. about <laughs> the waking nightmare affecting the Stormcast. They're, they're being misled. Um, the, the land kills many. It's so corrupt by Nurgle. Um, yes, and, the prosecutors finally find something. They see something as the chapter ends. Like, oh, there's something up ahead. And they find an oasis. And it's like there's good air here and there's clean water here. And they go over there and it's like a healing glade. Yeah. And they get in there and they're renewed and refreshed. Their armor, like like the Nurgle stuff is actually cleaned away. Their armor looks brand new, like scratches and dents are like like healed. Like Yeah, at first they think it's a trap and Grimm's like you know what? To heck with it. <laughs> he just drinks it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I gotta try. Like, he, yeah. and I love it. His his, uh, his griffhound wants to <laughs> wants to drink. He won't let him because like he cares so much about this. It's like his it's like his faithful dog. He's like, no, no, I'll drink first. Then the, the dog the griffhound's looking at him. He's like, go ahead. It's good. It's good. Drink. Um, it's kind of a like. The, there's a lot of slow stuff here. You know, not a lot's happening. Like you said no, before, it's like a, they're. They're twenty Morbus and Grimm, they they talk about Gardas being gone and you know, they're close to the dirge horn and there's beastmen around. There's no real big battle or anything occurring at this point. And then like page twenty eight, Gardas or Grimm just gets everybody stoked up for the battle. Um and then like cut back to chapter three. Now this is, is this back one, to Gardas. Yeah, this is important because this we don't really get in, in the in the campaign book. And this is the cool part. This is Gardas made it to the light finally. Mm-hmm. And he heads towards the light and he sees the light is actually the face of Alariel. And yeah, he has of, a vision actually. Yeah. One of his Go ahead. One of his visions that they were talking about before, um, of Alariel and where she's at. So he knows where she is. Yeah, he figures uh, it out. And then he gets to the light and he pops back into the mortal realm, back into the realm of life. And then there's a battle going on of the Sylvanes versus the Skaven. And then as Gardas arrives, all of a sudden the Blight Kings show up. So the Nurgle guys get involved. And then Gardas charges out and just starts slaying all the Blight Kings. <laughs> yeah. And he turns the battle back to the, to, to the Sylvaneth because they were, they were losing before that. Yeah. Uh, and which is kind of interesting because they don't even realize that he's there. There's a cool part in the in this campaign book where they like bring him out. Well, let's see. Well, actually, they don't they defeat the Dirgehorn before that part. Yeah, before. Yeah, we. I think we jumped ahead because they defeat the Dirgehorn before Gardas shows up. So I think we skipped because um, um, after they're refreshed, they're like, let's go get him. On and, chapter four, page thirty-seven of the storybook is the battle for the dirge horn. And then we're still on chapter three, which is where Gardas shows up. 
Yeah, Gardas. Well, Gardas shows up at that battle, but there, that's just the Sylvaneth. Yeah, that's a different him. battle. So yeah, there's two different yeah, battles going on. Yeah, the so, Sylvaneth are fighting the Skaven, while the Stormcasts are fighting the Beastmen to destroy right. the Dirtorn. Yeah, so yeah, Gardas shows up, and basically the the Sylvaneth are losing that battle with the Skaven, and he and the well, they're beating the Skaven, but then the Blight Kings show up and they start losing. He shows up behind the Blight Kings and just starts smashing heads, and the Sylvaneth uh, sort of gain more hope and he turns the tide and so he sort of teams up with them like he you know he makes a pact with them that's when he meets the lady of the the lady of the vines yes but who is a a tree what do you call him a branch wraith a branch wraith yes <laughs> did i read somewhere isn't she like a part of Alarial? yeah she was created from like one of Alarial's fingers or something like that yeah like literally like cut off one of her own like Parts and like yeah. made her, and she made her during the summer. So even though Alarial's in like a winter phase, which is why she's sort of all hidden and 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 mopey, like the Lady of Vines is always in summer phase because that's when she was created. So that's why yeah. she's always on like on the attack, which is kind of a cool thing. I like that she's like always in attack mode because that's when she that's the season that she represents and when she was created. Yeah, I think that's a cool idea and a cool theme for her. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, but so w- yeah. While he's doing that, they're going after the beast men and the <laughs> and the and the and the, and the uh, Nurgle guys to to get this uh, this dirge horn. They're renewed. They're refreshed, and they're making the charge. And uh, well, you know, you we were talking about the beast men kind of being the whipping boys, but it was a beast man shaman named Gluhawk who created this dirge horn. <laughs> Yeah, I love so how he occasionally he, they're good for something. Apparently, yeah. He uh, let's see. He laid the traps, brewed the poisons, and organized the hunting sorties that, over the course of a long week long hunt, brought the elder beast Brontos to its knees. Though nah. the creature was unkillable, <laughs> one of its many horns was hacked away by Gluhawk's mutant giants and consecrated in the name of the Ur Father Nurgle. And so that's the artifact that he's got this thing, and it's got basically it's this weird horn that was literally a horn off this beast. That now has these like fleshy mouths that the horn part when he blows into it actually like screams, like so it's like it's not just a regular horn it's like this weird screaming mouth pseudo horn thing like it's creepy as hell yeah <laughs> and he's standing next to this tree. Well, there's that, some beast lord that's blowing it right because yeah. he's got a different name. Oh, I thought it was him. Let me see what I got here. <laughs> yeah, because no, because it says uh, let's see. Gluhawk tells his tribe that any who sound the horn without the Plague Lord's permission will sink into the loam, never to surface. In truth, his jealous guardianship stems not from zeal, but from a desire to personally twist and pervert every hale and healthy life form in the Jade Kingdoms. I thought Gluhawk was the one who was who was blowing the horn. Ah, uh, perhaps. They made it sound like in the storybook that he was a beast lord. He is. It says right here on page sixty or sixty seven in the uh in the campaign book, in 67, it's uh, got his little... It says he's a, a beast man shaman on page 66 where his little insert is. No, his little but... insert here says, no, 67. Born on the fever victim's deathbed many centuries ago, the beast lord Gluhawk has ah, a British okay. appearance. So Okay, so it must be him. So he did both. He created it. Yeah. He cut all it right. off and created it and did all this stuff. So he's up there blowing this horn, and he just blows it like day and night, like yeah. and it's and it's poisoning. It's laying waste to the realm, yeah, yeah. So they get okay. in there and and they're fighting, and the beastmen are putting up a good fight. And so he's, he's like in the roots of this big hag tree. So they describe that, and it's pretty cool because this is this big beastman encampment, 
and then it's all like the stormcast attack. Big thick branches with huge thorns. I mean, these thorns are more like spikes. And there's skeletons hanging off the tree, and it's just it's it's you know the life tree from you know from the old world. It's like the exact opposite. Like he basically have found a life tree, and they they've corrupted it into being its exact opposite. Right. So there's so they're battling, like they're fighting the beastmen, and all of a sudden, like the chaos warriors and Nurgle are there as well at this dirgehorn battle, and then Grim gets himself in a duel with Gutrot Spume. And then they just fight for a few pages. And then Marcus, who's another one of the Stormcast Eternal, he kills off Spume's retinue. And then Grim, Grim is still locked in this battle. He's like, go stop the horn, dude. Yeah, so. like, I, got, I got this guy. I look at the tree reaches down, though, and grabs grabs him. Marcus. Like he's a. Yeah, no, uh, grabs. Um, who's fighting uh, Gutrot Spume? Grim. Grim. Yeah, and it grabs Grimm and just like the tree reaches down as he's about to take Gutrod out. Just like, no, I'm going to grab you and whip you against a wall here. Slam, like, blam, yeah. oof. And then Talon, the Griffhound, he gets involved and like kind of messes with Spume while the battle's going on. And then on page 42, Marcus is like, to heck with it. He hurls his axe and he kills the Beast Lord, which, the beast lord, which cracks the Dirge Horn. And then it explodes and kills everything around that's not armored. Now, <laughs> that, that's one of those... That's one of those tosses that when, when we're when we're taking note of things that happen in these stories that like, you know, top ten things that people are doing, this is one of them. This is one of the top ten best axe throws you're gonna have. <laughs> He's standing across at the across the field, takes his axe, whips it, it hits the dirge horn at the mouthpiece or at the at the opening of the horn, splits the horn in half, goes right down the horn, hits the hits the beast lord in the face, splits the head open. Like literally <laughs> splits the horn and the face in half. Like perfect like Robin Hood couldn't have shot an arrow that accurately. <laughs> Good thing he chose the axe and not the hammer, because yeah. I don't think a hammer would have the same effect. No, it wouldn't have. It would have just knocked it out of his hands. This thing was just nice. I mean it was a, 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 a nice. And of course that happens. Well, so then there's this cool description of all the Sylvaneth coming towards them, where it just sounds like wind in the trees. And um, on paragraph three on page 43 of the storybook, um, and then all, and the, the Sylvaneth all come through the woods, and then boom, they got Gardas back. Right. Well, what's cool is, oh, don't forget before that even, though, um, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, once that dirge horn explodes, the hag tree blows up. Oh yeah, and it kills <laughs> anything not wearing stormcast armor, right? Because <laughs> it blows up, and all those spikes, like the stormcast armor, deflects it. The poor beastmen ain't got a chance. They're all just splintered and spiked to death. So well, even the Nurgle warriors that were there, yeah. So they must have got killed as well, and they had armor. Yeah, and they're wounded, like because they got to go around anything that's everything's either wounded or killed. So these guys are going around hacking and killing everything that's left, and that's when and Gardas gets carried in on like. Brand like on on a, uh, a throne a, of vines, bro. A, a throne of exactly. <laughs> he gets carried in on a throne of vines, and he's like, "I'm back!" And uh, everyone's ex- that's ex- where super that's excited. where the chapter ends. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is super excited that he's back. Um, what's interesting is then you get this bit about Torglug, the despised Lord of Plagues, and that's that cool drawing on page seventy. Of that, like that's what, yeah, the that Nurgle Lord that they came out with, uh, the the drawing of him, 
And so, sure. he, yeah, he was the defender who's now, and he wants to, he, he's got something to prove to Papa Nurgle because he resisted him for so long like a dummy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the guy that turned, turned his back and then ended up poisoning the wells of his own people. Right. And so, yeah, that, <laughs> that's all gets done. Uh, let's see, where are we then in this story? Let's see, they did that. In the main storybook, we're at the point where, so the Sylvaneth bring Gardas back, and boom, that's where that part ends. And it starts chapter five, where you got Torglog and Vermalanx. They meet to discuss. Um, and Torglog dislikes the Skaven, but he's dealing with Vermalanx anyways. Vermalanx is that's right, everybody one of those rat demon Skaven. bros. Right. And then, so they discuss their defeats, because they've both been defeated by the Stormcast and the Sylvaneth. And then Gutrot Spume shows up, um, and they laugh at Bolotharax, and they recount Stormcast victories. So the Nurgle guys are on the back foot here. Um, they're feeling the pressure, you know. And then page 48, they actually say that Nurgle fears the Lightning Men and what he can bring, because they know, like, this is a power that's going to push us back. We're going to have some issues with this. And right. Morbid X Twiceborn shows up, and he's chilling. That dude's an interesting guy. He's the guy with all the Nurglings as followers. I he's like a funny him. dude. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then like, he's laughing and stuff, just whatever. And then the Glockkin also show up. So uh, just get to the point on page 49 where they kind of come to the, the head, where they've spent centuries looking for a Lariel. And then for some god-awful reason, they decide to dish it off finding her onto Vermalanx and, and the Skaven. Well, because they can be... That's, they, they, they've still got that ability from the old world to be the... Yeah. They're like the best spies. They In can the be, walls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can, so then they, they kind they of intimidate them. The, the, they can dig through reality instead of the ground. It's like, right. oh, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So they, they give him the task of finding her, and then they intimidate him a bit, and that's where the chapter goes. That's the end of it. Yeah. And then we get in, uh, we're about page 82 in the campaign book. We finished, now we're skipping over some of the uh, the battle plans, and the battle plans, actually the, the little, uh, the battle plans are actually pretty good. Which are the scenarios. Yeah, the scenarios. Battle scenarios, yeah. Um, they're, yeah. I mean, you know, if I mean, they they, re, they they capture sort of the essence of each of these big battles. That's what their plan is. Um, you need them to be able to really play the game well. I mean, if you're, you know, you, I think we've all determined by now, Straight up battle line doesn't work in this game. You wind up with just a mess in the middle that's no fun for anyone. Right. So a lot yeah. of these are good. There's a couple that don't work. Um, there's one I encountered when I was going through this, and I think it's near the end. Um, that's just awful. Um, <laughs> Have you been playing these things or what? Yeah, I've been playing some of them out, uh, you know, just practicing some of them and playing with uh, with Harrison and stuff like that because he's enjoying it. In fact, yeah, the very last one. In fact, they, if you've been listening to uh, – it's called Cast Adrift. If you've been listening to Helenhammer or uh, uh, Facehammer, it was like the last scenario, I think, at Blood and Glory at, at Curry's uh, event. What's the page in the campaign book here? Uh, let me would. find it. Let me find it. It's uh, page 176 to 179. It's the okay. last actual. Uh, yeah. Um, well, we'll get to that when we yeah. get to that point, because that's one of the final battles here. Yeah, and the only problem with it is it, it, there's a, a lot of how you win or lose that one just depends on who wins the dice roll for the who gets the, the, at the start of the turn. Yeah. Um, which, 
if you listen to that, they basically said they played it like it played in the scenario during the tournament, and uh, it just basically there was no skill involved. It was just dice roll. It was just I'm like okay, uh, you know, with a little adjusting, you know, you could make it a really good scenario. But you know, other than that, like I said, it's it's still giving you opportunities for other ways to play the game. So, but we're skipping over them just because. You know, if you're interested in the any of these battles, all these battle plans are included in here. You can always go look at them. But uh, so, Lady of the Vine. You know what? Let's take a. You know what? I think it's time. Is it time for a quick break? No, we got. Well, let's get through this Lady of the Vines part really quick because this is a kind of a quick one right here. So we're doing page eighty-eight in the campaign book, right? Yeah. Where the Sylvaneth are free of the dirge horn, they want vengeance. So the lady, because this isn't even in the storybook, right? Where the Lady of Vines attacks the Glade of Horn Growths because it seems like. They're they're looking for vengeance. They're pissed, and they're like, "What can we do?" And she's like, "Well, there's some great evil coming from over here." Let's yeah, basically, get in there. it's uh, it, it, this is another one of these long story short sort of deals. The the Skaven have taken this place over, and uh, it's it's all the the pox rats and all the you know the those guys, and they've got that uh, their plague sensors, and it's that fog that Nurgle, you know, uh, you know, Skaven. Yeah, just the toxic that yeah. comes off like the the warp stone, right? Which there's still a lot of warp stone around. Yeah, so I wonder where they're finding all that, but <laughs> I have no idea. But it's, so they either way they go in, and you, this is yeah. the kind of fog that if it touches you, like you die. Yeah, the, the sylvaneth stuff. The they just yeah, the sylvaneth. They just the, the the wood on them rots and 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 slews away. They just die. As does nature itself too. Yeah, it's not just the sylvaneth, but the the world itself. Yeah, anything it touches slowly just quick, actually quickly just rots and then turns to sludge. And so they, they're like, we got to find what this is and stop it. So they go after it. Long battle, lots of people die. The tree lord that has pledged himself to the Lady of the Vines winds up getting killed. Um, one of them does. Yeah. The brother of one of them. And then that creates a little. It's a cool scene, though, where th- there's an interesting battle going on. And it, oh, yeah. Know, it's. It's, it's there's a lot of back and it's well forth. Well worth reading, just yeah. if you're if you're into the details of the fluff, and you got the brotherhood of the red boil, who are a bunch of rats that have Nurgle maggots in their brain, demon maggots uh-huh. led by Kratzik, and um, no, there's a lot of cohesion between the rats and Nurgle. Um, right, they're it's they're a team, and it's like nobody else really likes them except for Papa Nurgle. But they're <laughs> you know they they've always worked well together, you know. Yeah, and this uh, glade of horned growth also there's a realm gate there, so all this rot fog that they're putting out is magnified by the power of the realm gate. Um, and on page eighty six, you get a little insert with information about the Lady of Vines. Yeah, that's where it talks about how yeah that she's uh, cut from the finger of Valerial or. Or, or yep. the right hand. She's literally the right hand of the queen, cut from Alarial's wrist and nurtured into a courageous and skilled lieutenant. So she cut off her right hand. Well, I mean, why not? You can grow it back. Yeah. <laughs> and then, she, you know, she did that, and she's been fighting all this time. Yeah, and you got, like, the Gracier Skurik is leading up this. Talks yeah. about They talk about the Stormcast there on page 86, and they're afraid of them and all this. Um, right. And then... More info, information on Vermalanx. Yeah, he's there. He wants Alariel because he's made that pact with Nurgle to find Alariel, which you wouldn't know if you didn't really read the other book. They touch on that he has this pact, but they don't really tell how it came about. So you get the details of that from the storybook. And yeah, then everybody wants to. Everybody wants to be the one to bring the prize to to Nurgle. Exactly. 
And they say that Vermalang set up this whole rot fog thing to lure in the Sylvaneth in an attempt to find Alariel. So then page 90 of the campaign book, you got the battle going on. With the weird upside-down trees, the walking trees, they, they, they look like... <laughs> Did you see it on page 91? And they actually describe it. It says it looks like upside-down tree. It looks like the trees are walking oh, yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah, and they've got all these dryads like attached to it. So it's like it's like a... All these dryads, like they don't notice. Yeah, they're just all pouring out of it and stuff. Like it's really, there's some really cool parts to this. Um, and I'm trying to see where it says about these these tree things, but it's just it's really crazy that these things that are coming through. Um, this is actually the battle that Gardas pops into when he gets back from the realm of Nurgle, because you know, on page nine right. you get of the campaign book, you're getting battle details, and then Skurik summons up all these Nurgle, the Rotbringers. Right. And then Gardas pops out of the gate, and the Sylvaneth are just owning the rats until the Nurgle guys show up. You got the, the plague furnace spewing out rot fog. And then Kratzik kills that tree man, um, which pisses off his brother. And then Kratzik gets smushed by his brother. He just steps on him. Yeah, he just steps on him. <laughs> he, can't, he can't cast the spell fast enough to save himself and dies. And then the Blight Kings arrive... And then the like tons of Sylvaneth and Skaven are dying, and then Gardas shows up. He's like, "All right, I got this." So he starts smashing up the Blight Kings, and he's unstoppable. Oh yeah, which is weird because he's just been running through the realm of Nurgle for weeks. But he also just ran off. through that bright spot and was had the vision. It was probably probably re- renewed by Alariel him, her, himself as he came through the gate. He's probably pretty stoked because he thought he was going to be doomed forever there, and here he is back. So. Um, and then you find out again, Vermalank set all this up to find Alariel, but Gardas knows where Alariel is because he saw the vision when he was in Nurgle's realm. Um, and, you know, they kind of touch on that a few times, too, where Bolotharax was telling him things that he really shouldn't have been because he assumed he was stuck there forever. Yeah. <laughs> and that Keep comes in handy shut. later on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Bolotharax, he's, he's a real... Sorry if this mouth. part's a little confusing to the listeners, but literally, the, as we said, this is two stories, and then this story breaks into two parts as well that sort of overlap a bit. You know, as, as we're getting... Uh, Grim is doing his thing, and then Gardas is over there, and he shows up in the middle of this fight. But, and then, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Like, Gardas shows up, and we we touched on this before, right? Like, it's the yeah. same it's the same battle. So, Gardas shows up, they kill all the Skaven, push them back, kill the Blight Kings, and then... And then he like, said, that's yeah, we that. should work together, and they agree, and that's... And this is the part where they take him to the other battle, or, you know, back to the Stormcast Eternal, which we talked about before, so... Right, and that's actually where we're going to take a break, because now we're getting back to... Uh, the Heldenhammer Crusade. Yep, we're getting back to the Crusades. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back and uh, pick that up back up where we left off with Bandis and crew. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. 
board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. And we're back. back. Yeah. Back, uh, back in the realm of metal. Metal. <laughs> so. All right. So picking up at about chapter six in the storybook, we got Afrix and Thrawn getting on each other's nerves. Thrawn is essentially the lord of the Great Crucible, or that section of the Great Crucible. And him and Afrix have some funny conversations. <laughs> They're always at each other's throats. Yeah. Till the Fricks puts an end to it with a some kind of charm spell, but that's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, that ends up happening a little bit later once they get up to the battle. He's like, that's it. No yeah. more fighting. Like, Just assume you're doing what I say. <laughs> had enough of this. Yeah. So they're sitting in there, and they're scrying on the Stormcast Eternal, who are literally just climbing up this yeah, they're using their metal. swords and stuff to just stick into the silver and just it's, pulling uh, themselves up hand over hand. It's Solemnus's swords that are doing it for him, where they're yeah, that's right. She gave them all those magical swords, and they just made the rungs. Although a lot of these dudes get their fingers cut off, and <laughs> like there's oh, that's right. They, if they take grip damage. Too, well, because because Zinch still has control of this place, so he's got all these flying things coming at them. So they're yeah. like getting dive bombed by flying things, and now they're they're uh, they're liberators. The 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 flying stormcast. Those are the prosecutors, or the prosecutors. I mean, they're, they're trying to fight off the Zinch demons. They're they're flying around, keeping they're keep, but every once in a while something gets through, and it's like if you're fighting them, if you grip too hard on the sword, you cut your fingers off. <laughs> and it also points out on page two hundred two that for the ones that somehow fall off the ladder. They just drift in space. They don't go back to Sigmar, and it says that they forever they'll drift through the void forever there. Yeah, well, that's, that's well. I guess I suppose if you're falling through space, you don't die. Like I, you right. have to die. Well, you'd think you'd need oxygen. <laughs> well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, not if you're a stormcast, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. There's a lot of weird rules I don't quite understand. Yeah, well, regardless, so they got about a thousand stormcasts climbing, and then right. Frix is plotting against Thrawn. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I say many of them, but not all of them. Obviously, they get up to the top, and once once a bunch of them get up there, like they start standing up, and they're like starting. You know, they get up, they pull up his buddy. You know, then he moves forward. The guy who he just pulls up pulls up the next buddy. He moves forward. So they're sort of like you know, pull, moving this along, but the guys in the front start to realize as they're walking, they're like, "Uh, ground's starting to get soft." Yeah, they talk about that at page two hundred five. Dracothian flees the battle with Argentine because he's getting beat up, and so, then Argentine starts warming up the silver again. Dracothian is Sigmar's friend and helped Sigmar learn all these secrets and do all this stuff. Dracothian is not necessarily the the biggest and baddest of all the dragons, though, is he? Well, they say Argentine is his son, but he's more powerful because he was corrupted by chaos, so he's got the okay. power of chaos as well. 
And so he's, but he is not the biggest. Like he is no. not the be all and end all. You can't just call on him when times get tough and expect him to set everything straight. Right. Which I think is interesting. It's like we don't have the biggest and the baddest. We're, we're you know, I mean, Sigmar can hold off anyone he wants in these types of battles, but. Like, you know, Dracothian is, I mean, he took a beating. Like, he's like, I, did, I fought as long as I could. I got to go home now. I got to go yeah. get a Band-Aid. Like, <laughs> His it's, own son, like, fights him off. Right. So now so, it's starting to get soft again. So now they're like, oh, we got to hurry. Because yeah. if that stuff turns liquid, guys are going to fall. So while that's happening, like, this 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 uh, this group, this, uh, you know, this band of chaos uh, this tribe of chaos warriors sees them there, and they're like, "What are these guys doing? Attack!" Yeah, so of course, I think these are Thrawn's men that attack because uh, he's the lord of that realm. Yeah. So, but I think what's great is what they walked for eight days, they climbed for four days. Yeah, and now they're gonna have a battle, and now it's like time <laughs> to fight. And they're like, oh. and of course, Thostis is standing up there, sort of like just standing there, looking exhausted, just not doing much. And he sees the guys attacking, and he's like, "Fight!" and goes running <laughs> off. Yep. <laughs> well, you also get a lot, like, you know, there's that whole section where a Frix is scrying on them, and you know he's plotting against Thrawn, and you know he knows that Kairos is going to betray him, and he's just trying to collect all this magic from dead Stormcast Eternals, which we talked about before. Um, and then they cut to a Dracothian flea in the battle, and the flames beginning again, just as the Stormcast start reaching the top. Yep. Yeah, and then... Thrawn's bros attack. <laughs> and then, okay. once again, page 207, Thostos' skin is impervious. Right. And then... Uh, <laughs> the metal's then, getting real soft that they're standing on. <laughs> yeah, the metal's getting sto- soft. Bad things are happening. And then... Um, they have to bring up the decimators to smash through to get to these stairs that lead up onto these like gangplanks and walkways over yeah, the silver. Yeah, like, we got to get off this lake. This lake is not going to hold us much longer. We've got to get off this lake. Um, and then uh, Ionis, like, they're totally, and Ionis like, I got this. Go. And so, uh, you know, um, Vandis is riding on his on his little mini, his mini dragon, and he, he's jumping from place to place. His men are rushing for the place. Ionis pulls out his... Uh, his uh, reliquary and just calls down lightning and lightning hits him and just goes right through him (laughs) and he channels this huge bolt and it kills everybody. Yeah. He basically, and he, and he directs it through the metal, but just channels it directly at, and just cooks them all. So now everything smells like meat, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, and all these guys drop and it's like clear path. So everybody runs. But as he's doing that, one of these guys apparently isn't all dead. He's like sinking into the, metal at the same time and reaches up with his axe and and puts the axe right in the back of Ionis's head splits his head in two boom <laughs> Ionis dead. yeah turns into lightning and goes away and they're like oh no but at this point it worked because the stormcaster are up on the walkways they're out of the metal and thanks to the efforts of the decimators and thostos they make two beachheads up on different staircases um and then the chaos knights arrive and start smashing up stormcast eternal and this and this must be really i mean obviously they have to be large and wide because right. it's on yeah, a lake not. of metal because they come on on chariots after them and stuff like that yeah after the knights show up and do a bunch of killing then the chariots show up and do a bunch of killing and then, and then it's kalanx and vandis that start knocking the chariots off and killing them. And, and they actually get stuck because there's so many chariots that they've smashed that they have to stop. They win the fight, but they can't move forward because they got to start 
throwing these chariots over the side of the bridge. Yeah, because dead they, bodies it, and chariots and so yeah. that. Would, yeah, and then now they're just exhausted too. So yeah. they're like, and then, so they cut to page two twelve after the battle. Vandis is on top of the captured tower, and they only got about five hundred stormcast left, and. Vanus is just talking about the stars, and he's talking about Azur and the realm they're in now. And then he has another vision, well, so he knows time exactly he invites what to do. a vision. He he goes now yeah, that Ionis is dead. He doesn't know what to do without his without his because Ionis is like the guy who always gives him advice. So he goes, too. "I'll do." Yeah, he goes. You know what? I'll do what you said. I'll invite a vision, and he invites a vision, and he sees that when the alchemist's moon gets to its height, to its apogee, that. For some reason, uh, what's Argentina has to turn his head. Argentina so he can't heat the metal. Yeah, he doesn't like it, so the metal will harden again. So he gets an idea, and this yeah. part's really cool because what's happening is they're busting through, and you get this once again. You get these arguments between uh, Ephrix and um, and uh, King Vexus, uh, King Vexus Thrond. Uh, Thrond's kind of cool. Thrond doesn't want to give up his kingdom to his son. So he makes a deal with Zinch for Zinch. eternal life, yeah. but realizes that now it's eternal life in servitude to Zinch, and he's like, I'm not anybody's bitch. So he realizes he's going to be spending his whole life in servitude. So like, he just basically fools himself into thinking, well, I'm king of the Crucible. So like, right. you know, as, as long Which as is I'm one of the one of the forty area. islands, yeah. yeah. So as long as I'm the king of this place, then at least I feel like I'm king of something. I'm still in charge, and Efrix is messing that up for him. So he's like losing it and snapping well, and falling apart. Yeah, because Efrix all, all of a sudden his fortress just appeared there. <laughs> like he moved it there. Yeah, he's like, wait and Thrawn's a like, bro, this is my this is my place. But Thrawn, his castle, he made a crucial mistake by building it out in this part of land that hangs out over the Silver Sea. <laughs> right. So Vandis is going to take advantage of this. Um, well, the other part, too, is now they're getting through. And he's like, uh, I thought you were going to stop these guys. He's like, I'm doing it. So then he calls Corgos Cool. And Cool's making fun of him. He's like, listen. What page is this on? Well, what chapter are you in here? This is um, I remember this part from the story. Uh, hold on. I know it's. Let me find it. Where is it? Because um, there's that really cool scene where. Oh, yeah. Okay. So page 219, which would be chapter six. Yeah. Seven? Chapter seven, yeah. Yeah. So you got, oh, there's only a few hundred Stormcasts there. There's under 500 left. And there. And basically what he does is, this is, Vandis's plan is, we're just going to rush in like maniacs. Make it look like we're just trying to kill them all. And uh, they're burning the, the towers and the walkways, and they're burning Thrawn's realm, essentially. Yeah, and, and then lead there's... them all out, making it look like we're doing a latch-dis effort to kill them, but they're really trying to do this other plan. They're trying to undermine the castle. Uh, yeah, if they can break the foundations, then when if the if if uh, Efrix's stronghold falls into the liquid silver, then once this one, huge wave will form, and right then, at the moment that the moon is full, and it'll solidify. Yeah, and it'll hold it there, so he can't move it away. Meanwhile, he's calling, <laughs> he's calling cool. Uh, I could use your help, and he's like, "Oh, really, wizard? I thought your magic was all like they're all jerks to each other." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't get along. He's like, uh, so, what do you need me for, wizard? And he's like, uh, you know that Vandis Hammerhand guy, the one who made here. fun of you? He's here. <laughs> and he's like, I'll be right there. Like, hey, you keep him there. Don't let – it's like Goodfellas. You keep him there. Don't let him leave. <laughs> I'll be right there. You know? <laughs> they, they totally play each other. They're so simple to play. 
Right. And well, meanwhile, like, so the Stormcasts are like trying to undermine the castle. Afrix uses the Shardgate to summon this big demon host to stop him, which I think you find out later that it wasn't Afrix, it was Kairos. But Afrix right. pretends it was him. And then Thostos, you know, they get up to the castle. Is that Thrawn's castle? Yeah, Yeah, because Thostos had fought here before, so he knows where the castle was breached. Um, Kairos creates this demon gale, and then Cole decides he wants Vandas, and it's cool when the battle gets going because nobody will go near Vandas, none of Cole's people, because they know Cole will just kill him if they start to make a move to kill Vandas because that's his dude. Yeah. And then, well, and Kairos- actually, now we're now, and I'm I'm not saying we have to stop, but this is this is a weird spot. Now, this is because of the way they did this book. They're telling two stories, and they want to start and finish with the quest for Galmaraz. So, right. actually, in the store in the campaign book, after they smash the foundations of the place and it gets stuck in the in the liquid metal, in the molten metal, yeah, th- it stops here. Ah. And it goes over <laughs> to the realm of life because that's that's where now the big battle's coming. Now you've got Cool, you've got Thrawn, you've got all these guys coming out. Uh, the Fate Weaver shows up. This is where all the cool stuff happens. But we've got to finish up the War of Life. Right. So, so. you know what? Let's uh, let's take a quick break. I know we've had one just recently, but since we're going to switch gears, let's do that. Come back to the War of Life. Um, uh, finish up the War of Life because this is actually it's basically one more huge battle that's going to happen or it's two battles but we'll get through them pretty quick um, and then uh, and then get back to finding Galmaraz if they find Galmaraz I don't want to spoil it so <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll be back in a minute Hey guys, this is Chris Tomlin from The Black Sun, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. Alright, we are back and we're going to get back to the realm of life and the Stormcast Bros bringing the pain to Nurgle. <laughs> Chapter 7 in your storybook, page 130 in your in your uh, campaign, campaign book. book. I love this picture on page 130. This is the, some of that new art. It looks like a, it's definitely computer done, right? That's not hand drawn. It can't be. It's, it's got a bit of an anime look to it. It's. Yeah. It might be, but there's some. I mean, I know. I think. I think Herner was saying he doesn't like this new look. It's got some of that anime-ish style to it. I just kind of like it. Like it's. It's kind of cool. It doesn't bother me. I think it's cool, but I definitely prefer the hand drawn stuff. It does look. Oh, the hand drawn stuff too is clean really nice. to be Nurgle. Like you're yeah, looking yeah. at a plague bear, but he looks really crisp and clean. This bro should look gross. I mean, exactly. No, despite I agree. the fact that his intestines are hanging on the ground. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just I, you know what? It's like I'm so used to wa- looking at a lot of stuff that looks like that almost painted. That re- like you said, it's really messy and stuff. Right. So some of these really clean 
pictures. It's just like I can actually get a good look at what I'm looking at for the first right. time. So, yeah. <laughs> so page 131 is cool because here's a big old map of like most of the realm of life that applies to what's going on here. And that's pretty interesting to kind of trace through where where they yes. went and what they did and how they how they made a path through this realm. Now, um, this this is a little weird. Like I said, this book, uh, the storybook is really long, and there's a lot of interesting stuff. There's so many Nurgle characters that are all getting their moment. But basically, the, the rest of this story is, as we're going to cover it, it, it's a lot of the storybook. I mean, seriously, from page 57 to what, 120, 130, something like that? <laughs> yeah, like to 134. I mean, it's like... 80 more pages of the storybook, all these fights and all this stuff that's happening, which is a great read and lots of interesting, cool character development. Not necessarily stuff that you need to know to get this story going, though. Like, I mean, it's I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I loved this book and there's tons of cool notes. I just I just don't know that we're going to sit and hit every little detail along the road right. here. Well, um, well, let's hit the fun stuff. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. So um, like. Chapter 7 opens with Morbidex, Twiceborn, and his Nurglings having a battle against the Forest Spites, which is super cool because the <laughs> Forest Spites seem pretty awesome. And the Stormcasts are just marching by on the road, and they're like, hey, yeah. look what's going on over here. Because <laughs> Morbidex is going to ambush the Stormcasts. Like, okay, we got an ambush going here, my little Nurglings. And they're all set ready to ambush. And all of a sudden, the Spites ambush them. The Spites are going by the Forest going, what the hell are these guys doing here? And they <laughs> attack. And so now the Stormcasts are walking down the road, and they hear all this noise, and they look over. And there's all these there's little glowing spite things attacking. They're like, what is going on? Yeah, so the Stormcast turn to get involved. And then somehow all these Plague Bears rise up behind them and do a rear attack. But it turns out they're Stormcast and it doesn't make a difference. They just turn around and kick the crap out of them too. No, and it's, uh, it's funny because... Uh, then uh, I love I love how he, how Morbidex curses and stuff. Oh boobos! Like all little <laughs> pust, oh pustules, because like, the the one flying guy knocks him off his back, and he's like oh, and he's laughing at him. He's like, oh, oh yeah, Tegris. Yeah, Tegris like, has a pretty cool duel with Morbidex where they're going back and forth fighting. Yep, and he looks at him when he comes down to swoop because he knocked him off last time in the last battle earlier, and he finds this. He's like, you knocked me off my ride once. You ain't doing it again. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 come on then, Silverback. You caught me by surprise once. You'll not do so twice. Or my name isn't Morbidex Twiceborn. And they're fighting <laughs> with each other. Um, but I love it. So now it's, I mean, talk about everyone, you know, trying to ambush each other. The Stormcast jump in and they're fighting. They see all this stuff going on and they start fighting. And then suddenly the Plague Bearers slowly, quietly come out of the swamp behind them. But they, yeah. you know, and they want to see, of course, their job is to, uh, they've got this guy here that they talk about. This. Yeah, Rek Gablar. <laughs> Gablar. Yeah. It was yeah. like a really uninteresting character who just shows up and gets his ass kicked and <laughs> that's the end of it. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like his job is, he, he's one of Nurgle's favorites because he, um, well, what's it, Epidemius marks all the different deaths and all the different things that happens. Mm -hmm. This guy is the guy who records what happens when, uh, plagues touch a new species that we haven't seen be affected by new plague. So it's like, ooh, right. these plagues haven't ever touched these guys. Let's see what happens. And they stab him. Oh, nothing happens. And they turn around and go, what are you doing? And they kill him. And yeah. that was <laughs> this bro should have stayed in the laboratory and not yes. won the battle. Because I mean, he, it's... Uh, it's it's nothing like he, he shows up, they try to rear attack and they're like they get killed. He and got then, a sidebar. 
Like, yeah, it's like, true. <laughs> I mean, he got a sidebar. I think they had some space to fill, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, Nurgle loves him, and he's got this cool job of being the guy who who shows how the plagues work when we find a new species. Well, you you picked it. Well, that wrong species. <laughs> Move along. So the like the only other interesting thing that happens is like Nurgle retreats to battle, and then on page sixty four of the storybook, Ethrak Glot, who's the wizard of the three brothers. He contacts Morbidex and they have a pretty funny conversation. Like, it's oh, they're really his... intelligent and they're really nonchalant. They're just like having this talk, even though like things are going really bad for these dudes, and they're these messed up demon guys. So it's it's pretty interesting to get that taste of how the Nurgle people are, and they're smart. Like they know what's <laughs> yeah. going on, and they're not. You know, they're like the corn dudes are just one dimensional. Like kill, kill, kill. That's not interesting at all to, to me. Although um, if you listen so to our was... really long coverage, there is some, they, the, the bloodbound got, there's some interesting stuff going in there. They're a little more than kill, kill. Yeah. But, uh, I got to say, yeah, this, oh, go ahead. page 64. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. This conversation was great. I had it marked down for reading and I love how, uh, twice borns, uh, the thing he rides is like a puppy. Yeah. It's like, just like this happy go lucky. <laughs> yeah. His triple tongue is its name. Yeah, well, that tears it. I'm leaving. And that's what, going somewhere twice born. I could have sworn <laughs> we asked you to handle these invaders. Our ambush was ambushed. Forest bites got the nurglings all riled up. The stormcast interrupted a very satisfying drubbing, if you want my opinion. Did I? <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> did I ask for it? Well, no. Then what makes you think I would? A sense of unbridled optimism, he said, and glanced over his shoulder. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, so like, what? Now? Like, you know, it's just, it's like, what the? He's just he's, goofy. They come off as educated. Like, these dudes have college degrees. Yeah. <laughs> or they're well read. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you read his backstory, his backstory's in this book, too. Morbidex, Morbidex just comes yeah, up. he's on page 138. It's pretty cool. Like, he actually sought Nurgle out. Yeah. Uh, basically, um, he was badly disfigured in his use youth blaming fire wreath zinch for his misfortune he made it his life work to seek out the architect of fate's arch enemy grandfather nurgle in the end it was nurgle that found him while climbing a high peak that led into the realm of chaos he was buried alive under an avalanche of nurglings they were of good humor and posed him riddles in exchange for help for every quandary he got right they squished him up every wrong answer they squished him down. Or they, no, they gifted him a physical attribute that echoed their own, which is why he looks like, like a bit a, of a, a nerdling. big nerdling. Yeah. <laughs> Since his slimy rebirth amid that avalanche, he's become more powerful than ever. In Rotwater Blight, he rides to battle once more on his pox maggoth, Triple Tongue, gaggles of faithful nurgling swirling in, in his wake. So I like this dude. He's pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one of these models and i think this is the one i'm gonna build because i just i i don't know if oh, got a, i didn't know they even had a model for this bro yeah the 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 magath the magath riders those you know they have the the big glotkin one and then they have those smaller one the the magath rider sure. thing and he yeah. happened okay he's one of the three you can make you can cool. make him and then there's two <laughs> others and i i don't know which of them is like you know if there's a better one to play in the game but this one this is the guy like i like him i'm making him because he's just too much fun with all the little nurglings and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I agree. His story's it, oops, sorry, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> his story's oh. hilarious. <laughs> he's a fun dude. So, all right, man. So then, chapter eight picks up where the forest bites are hanging around now, and then they're going to show because essentially Gardas and his crew saved him 
because Mor- Morbid X was really laying waste to him. Right. Uh, so the forest bites are going to say, all right, well, we'll show you where to go. We're gonna, they're going to take him to the city of Arborea. And then Gardas just does some reflection on the lost people of Arborea. Grim oh, and no, Gardas I love have- this. Oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. They know they've got to find, because uh, Gardas uh, had this vision. He's got to find the Oak of Ages. Mm-hmm. Right now, okay. Can we go back to that picture? Now I realize it's just a picture. Where you can't miss the Oak of Ages. <laughs> the Oak of Ages is the biggest thing on the planet. Like it literally is so big, you'd have to be blind. Now the Oak of Ages passed. Now apparently it's part of the the great oak from the forest in Athalorin. Yeah, like in the end of the book. Like if you watch that end of the, or if you look at the end of the Archeon book, like that tree is part of what gets sapped through. So part yeah. of it went through with Alarial. It landed there. Part of it is growing like yucky and part of it's growing good but the part right. that's growing good it's putting out the stream of life is the stream of life and so like i said in the picture look i found it okay well i'm glad you found it because it's bigger than the mountains but because <laughs> <laughs> nobody else missed the damn thing <laughs> <laughs> but so apparently what's happened is there's this dude pupil grotesque yeah, Pupa Grotesque, who is a great unclean one. And a really, really huge great unclean one at that. Yes, and now he has sat down. And he's pooping. <laughs> yeah, he sits in the middle of the river. Now, this river purifies and cleans everything, okay, except he sits down. You still there, Johnny? I'm here. Okay, I heard a click, I, and then it went quiet. Uh, he sits I... down, and he, he poops on the hour. And <laughs> he is so gross and so gross and so blessed by Nurgle that the water of life doesn't purify him. He fouls the water fouls of life. It. <laughs> yeah. So it's ruining everything. And they can't just go up the river. Like they're like, well, we could just go up river. He's like, we'll never make it. It's so foul. There's so many battles we'll have to have. It's this is the, this once again, it's that long walk into Mordor. It's step after step after fight after fight. We will never make it. Uh, and it, it is just so gross. He is pooping hourly into the river. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And the picture, he's just sitting there all happy, and his intestines are just trailing in the water. <laughs> and it's just so nasty. Um, it's pretty foul. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, one of the parts that's interesting uh, uh, is that Gardas, like, he came out of Nurgle's realm, but I don't, even though he was a storm cast and he went through and he was, you know, helped by Alarial to get out, there's this part on page 67 Um and, he's, and he asks him, he goes, are you okay? Like, Grim is like, are you ill? And he's like, you sound concerned. I wouldn't have asked if I wasn't. You've been through a lot. And Gardas said nothing for a moment as he marshaled his thoughts. He wanted to tell Grim what he'd seen in Nurgle's Grim Garden. Even now, safely returned to the mortal realms, he could not cleanse himself of the stink of that place. It <laughs> ate away at him, mind, body, and soul. His armor was clean, but sometimes he could not help but see filth, a slow, creeping mold, insidious and inexorable. Idly, he scraped at his chest. I'm fine, Loris. So it's like that 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 Nurgle is like still in him, like in his head, in his mind. Like he sees filth growing on him that's not there. Yeah. You so know, he's, he's been changed, as you would expect. Yeah. But so now here's the plan. They've got to go. Um, so they got to figure out how to get to the tree. Right. Or at least to pupil grotesque to fight him, because they know that's what right. they have to do. Oh, and by the way, one thing that we failed to mention, which is a huge important plot point because we're doofuses, um, <laughs> uh, 
after that last battle, when Gardas was there and helped uh, helped the Lady of the Vines, and they said they would work with each other, mm-hmm. he told her, "Listen, um, I'm." He told her his mission. I'm here to you know help you guys get rid of Nurgle, and we need to get Alariel back on the job, and we want to re- renew our ties. And I know where she is. Vermalanx heard him say this, mm. and ran back to the you know ran back to his cohorts, and he's like. Um, yeah, we know We're where she. Yeah, we know where she is. Yeah. yeah, so they basically said, "Okay, well, follow them." And so they send out a gray seer and some of his troops to go follow them and see what happens. So that's actually an important point because now that they're getting there, when they get there, they're being tailed by Skaven spies. Right. So basically, when they finally get there, yeah. So and we get up to chapter nine, and you got to climb the oak of ages well, past. They got a. I think they're climbing. Is that what they're climbing? I thought they were just climbing random trees in the city of Arborea or whatever the heck it is. Uh, I thought they had to climb the oak because then they leap from the highest branch of the oak into the mist. Like that's into, like this leap of faith because he screams out, "Only the faithful!" Yeah, they they know they got to get to these floating islands yeah. to get across the realm because otherwise they're never going to make it. The realm's killed too many people; it's too corrupt. Right. So, so they're trying to get a floating island. So, so they he gets up the climb the trees. Yeah, jump through this mist. And, and some of them don't make it. Like some of them kind of miss. <laughs> <laughs> you know. At least they go back to Sigmar. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> now, when they land there, this thing is still covered in Nurgle's fog, and it's still gross, and it's still uh, this poisoned island just dripping it's called, it's called the lost island of Talbion as well oh right okay <laughs> which is pretty close to the old world which had an island of Albion <laughs> <laughs> That's By the way. there you go I didn't think about that <laughs> we'll throw back there but the, yeah so the islands corrupt lazy writers <laughs> what are you gonna call it Talbion <laughs> I got it yeah. Talbion <laughs> so oh, we're really just Morbus calls down a bunch of lightning though and that purges the mist and frees the island and then Gardas is like, dude, we freed you, so guess what? Take Please. us east. Yeah, and so the and the island's like, okay, and the island flies them away. <laughs> um, and so as they're flying, they realize they're flying overhead, and they can't really stop them. Like, like yeah, all so the cut bad to, guys. like the chaos guys on the ground, and they're just watching this island. Morbidex is watching the island move, and, and so once they got again, all the these... Magus lords are just awesome again watching this, and they're just like, oh wait, they're cheating! Like they literally call them cheaters. I think in the in the in the storybook. And oh, page yeah. <laughs> 78 is pretty cool because there's a good descriptions of the Magoth lords. Yep. And page 77 is where Morbidex is there. They're, they're, oh, they for, have these like ambushes and battle areas set up and they're just flying right over them. And, and Morbidex, off. first line of chapter 10. Well, there's something you don't see every day <laughs> as it's flying over. It's just... Ever seen yeah, the they're... like Blob? That's that yeah, Blob Rod Spawn Blob. Nope. A new one on me, Morbidex. Even Bilespurter <laughs> isn't aw, huh? And they're all looking at it's like they're all looking around like I don't what is this, and so now one of the, the glots show up again. Of the course, glots show up and they're like, oh no, uh uh-uh, uh, no, 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 this is cheating. Yeah, so Ethrak is he summons a big horde of plague drones to attack the island. Yep, and uh, so and oh. the other glot, the other glots team up with Morbidex and they and they go over to the the world pimples and they're gonna pop a world pimple when the island's over it and try and spurt it. Yes, because they, oh, and you know what? There's an interesting bit in here where they talk about why they want to get get Alarial. 
Yeah, they want to bring her to Nurgle. Because Nurgle wants to cage her and just keep her forever. Yes, he wants to cage her and listen to her beautiful song. It kind of sounds like he's a bit in love with her there. Yeah, there's a little bit of romance there. It's like she's <laughs> like his op- like, it's like opposites attract. He wants yeah. to hear and listen to her song for eternity. So, yeah, Girk, go squeeze one of the giant world pimples. And uh, uh yuck. So, he squeezes a world pimple as they're passing over it. And yeah. it bursts real good. Shooting <laughs> pus and gunk straight up into the air. <laughs> which attaches all over the base of the flying island, which somehow ruins its ability to fly. Yeah. It, I think it just makes it really sick again. And yeah, then it's like, it's well, sick, I just yeah. can't stay up anymore. So, and then, but meanwhile, there's this battle raging on the island. So the Stormcasts are fighting all these plague drones that have come. And Tegris is flying all around. And he's just enjoying the sky battle after Morbidex escaped his grips. By the way cool very cool battle plan in here called kill the beast mm. uh page uh 142 you actually break your six by four table up you cut off um it's a four by four and then the last two by four table is the sky battle so you got a battle on the ground going and then you've got a sky battle going on over here and you can fall off the sky battle down to the ground if you're not careful <laughs> So you've got a you've got a multi a multi level multi tiered battle going on to represent this this uh, this 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 happening here. This is a pretty cool um, a pretty cool uh, thing. Also, one of the things that happens in this book that we didn't mention. I'm sorry to break off on another tangent. They have these <laughs> ta- these time of war rules. Uh, and if you didn't, I, I, you, I mean, you've seen them in the, if you've been going through the book, but they had them in the uh, beginning for uh, Shemon also, which yeah, so is their special rules, rules relative to the realms. Yeah. So if you want, you know, if you want, if you're if you're working on, you know, narrative campaigns or if you're working on just playing in a game and you want to set up your own scenarios, uh, you could build scenarios and have stuff built around because, like, you know, the whole thing, if you win a game. Uh, you know, for your next battle, you can roll on the dice to see what benefit you win, which in playing one-off games is never any good. But for campaign games and stuff, you know, you roll on that chart, and it's to, if I won, this is what I my benefit next game. They've got special benefit charts for that particular realm. They've got all sorts of weird things that can happen in that realm, and so they've got this for the realm of life or for rot water blight for for these battles too as well here. So. Sure. I just wanted to mention that because that was a that is a cool scenario, a very fun scenario. Maybe not a tournament scenario because it could really mess you up. But <laughs> if you're playing with your friends, just having the two tiers and uh, you know, depending on on how little or how much you want to mess around with your with your gaming table, um, it could be a real fun way to play it out. Yeah. But so okay, back to the back to this. Sorry. So you got Tegris f- fighting the sky battle and enjoying it, and then the world pimple hits the island and the island starts collapsing and then you got Tegris flying around trying to save falling Stormcast Eternal. Right. And the island is just breaking apart and falling. It's literally disintegrating. The pus is eating through the dirt and rock and it's falling apart. And ugh. And so it crashes near Poopa Grotes. Somehow that's pretty that's pretty fortuitous, I guess. So well, I mean, and he's I mean, pissed off about it. Yeah. I mean it's getting closer and closer. I think it kind of a bunch of it splashes in the water, and there's this big deluge of grossness that comes out. And Pupa's like, "All right, that's it." Yeah, 
uh, plague so, bearers are starting to attack them. All the Stormcast Eternals who have survived the crash are just like gearing up for war. Yeah, there's this little like kind of mini side story where Tegris is flying around. He saves his falling Stormcast, and then uh, he sets him down. He saves him. His name is Olanus. And yeah. then, like, right the next page, these plague bears rise up and just kill Alanis. Yeah. <laughs> there, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, well, we do our best. What can you do? There's, like, a lot of little weird side stories like that. Like, you know, I saved my friend, but my friend died anyway. Anyone could die in battle. But they do that a lot in this book, like, where the guy took the bullet in the head for no apparent reason. Like, it's just, like, I think they were doing that in this particular uh story in this because they 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 haven't been doing that in the other stories it was just in this particular book and i think that all ties back to with vanda's questioning how many times can we die and come back like so you're seeing some of these weird pointless deaths happening yeah and i'm wondering if that's supposed to uh maybe affect us or make us wonder like oof you know these guys got to be more careful or something else happens or right like it's not meaningless to die even though it you're going to come back there's something to it exactly so you got Tegris getting swarmed by plague bearers and Gardas saving him. And then Gardas is rallying the Stormcast Eternal as Pupil Grotesque is creating all these Nurgle beasts. And then there's just this big battle that's going to go on. So like chapter 12, you got the Stormcast battling beasts of Nurgle. And then Gardas recounting things that Balatharax said as the battle rages on. And then Gardas and Grimm are fighting, and they're trying to get the Pupil Grotesque to fight him. Um, Ultrades, who's some other Stormcast bro, beats him, beats him to him, and he battles Pupa. And then Gardas is trying to get over there and help him out. And then Morbus casts down this huge lightning bolt on Pupa. Yeah, and that's basically what it comes down to is that uh, he knows Pupa's real name. Yeah, page 97. Balatharax had told Gardas Pupa's real name, and then somehow that distracts him or gives him some power over him. Well, yeah, it's like that total total magic thing. Knowing you're knowing a demon's true name, you can summon him and have power over him. Yeah. So, so yeah, it chops off Pupa's hand, and then Morbus calls down this huge lightning bolt, and, and Pupa explodes. Yeah. And so now the river is clear and clean, and everything's you know they win the they win the day. Destroying the yeah, the water itself one. now comes out clean, and it starts killing the demons that are still there. You're right. And then Gardas, knowing where Alariel's realm is, that it's under the water, um, he's looking for the entrance, and they can all hear Alariel singing at the end of that chapter. Yeah. And then basically, this is what happens: is he uh, the Skaven followed him, and he goes basically into the water, and it looks like he almost like he drowns because he goes, they go in, and then he doesn't come back out because the entrance is in the like in the in the river itself, like at the bottom of the river. Which no one would notice because, A, the demons can't really look onto that type of a pure thing. And plus, he was polluting everything, so you would, couldn't see it. Yeah, so she would have been permanently hidden as long as Pupa was there. Nobody ever would have found her. Right. And then I think the campaign book actually tells it better at this point where on page 146, they literally have to look like they drown. They have to breathe the water to get into the under, underwater realm. Um, yeah. Which once you get there is like a normal realm. It's, it's, it's air, it's not water, but they don't really talk about that in the storybook, which, I mean, which makes sense because they don't want to duplicate the conversation. But, right. Uh, but the, so it seems like they have to almost die to get in there, you know, breathe in the water. And then, yeah. Um, but they have faith and they get there. And then cut to chapter 13 in the storybook. 
the Skaven go back to Torglog and tell him where the portal is. And then Which pisses off Vermalangs. Vermalangs, yeah. Because he wanted to like, what do you mean? Wait, you went to him? Like, why didn't you come tell me? Well, you told us we were, you told him we were gonna come tell him, so we went straight to him. And Vermalangs is like, Oh, you little rats. You can't trust these bros. <laughs> exactly. You you get to like, glory now. Even page one oh three, there's a conversation and you know, Torglug's talking, he really hates the glots, so even amongst the Nurgle followers themselves you know, they're not getting along. They're all just vying for the affections of Nurgle, essentially. Well, right, yeah. I mean, well, everybody wants to be the one to find Alariel. And the, let's face it. I mean, look how many big-named guys are all here from Nurgle's realm looking for Alariel. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody. I mean, so you, there's got to be rivalry. Who's going to be the one that actually brings her and gets all? Because whoever is the one that brings her in, he that, you, that you win. You know, right. and the Gladkin are in charge. You could tell Nurgle still favors them. You and know, he saved them. them at the, yeah, well, I mean, he saved them at the end. Brought them up to those three jars back in his house. You know, at the in the at the end of the Gladkin book from the end times. Yeah, and uh, yeah, people. And let's face it, honestly, they're jealous because it's obvious Nurgle really favors them. You know. Yeah. Well, and but it's Ethrak who has the idea. Like, we can't go into that water; it'll kill us. But we can just summon this massive Nur- Nurgle deluge. And it'll Burst what is he say? Like yeah. some, some gates don't have to be battered down. They can. I, I don't remember the exact quote, and I didn't write it down. But um, essentially, you can just overwhelm it with all this putrid filth, right? And then we can get in. So they then they're gonna flood the veil because on page one hundred four, Ethrak summons up the deluge, and then it starts flooding the veil. And the stormcasts are already there. So then cut back to yeah, gates can be forced open as well as unlocked. That's it. Yes, yeah. that's what he says. And then on chapter 16 start, or is that a four? No, it's chapter 14, page 107, the Stormcast awaken the veil, and it's just beautiful and amazing. And it's, they kind of point out that it's, it's not a real place. It's Alariel's will made manifest, so it's kind of in her head, but it's real. You can be there. And Yeah, they're hypnotized by its beauty. Grim snaps out of it, and it's like, hey, hey focus, everybody. Like, of course, the serious guy is the one who's not going to get trapped by all the beauty and stuff. And they're standing in the middle of it, and all of a sudden he looks around. And he's like, "This looks like a trap." And he steps in. As soon as he steps inside that open spot in the veil, he's impaled by vines and stuff. And all of a sudden, all the Sylvaneth start attacking them. Right. And that's because when because they're pissed <laughs> because yeah. they know that Nurgle knows where they are now. Yeah, which, which the Stormcast have no idea. They don't realize what's going on, and that's it. And Gardas is like, "No, put your weapons away. Don't fight them. These are our friends." And he doesn't like, know why he's being attacked, but he knows. I thought we were cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, "I don't know what we did wrong, but if you fight them, then we're yeah." So he he basically tells him, "You can only fight with your shields. You can only defend." And he keeps calling out to Alariel and ask what's done wrong, and then Alariel's spirit shows up. And basically, you know, points backwards, and they look back, and all of these Nurgle things start coming into the veil. And he turns around, and he's like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. He's like, "I'm uh, please, I'm sorry. I'll fight with you. And she's like, well, it looks like we're going to have to, aren't we? Yeah, we got no choice. Yeah. And so Alario's like, shows up, and she orders everybody, like, all y'all get together and fight because that's what we have to do now. And she heals Grim as well because he was wounded. Right. By the Sylvaneth. 
And so now they're fighting. And um, oh, something in the in the campaign book that I like. They talk about the plague swords. They give a little info on the on the. Yeah, there's an insert there, right? Yeah, how every ev- Nurgle gives every plague bear a plague sword. And you get nicked by this, you're pretty much toast. Yeah, you're diseased. Yeah, it, it's it, which is really cool. He doesn't have to kill you. It doesn't have to chop you into pieces. You just it, if you get cut by this thing, you're pretty much screwed. And uh, you get Nurgle's rot and stuff like that. And I, so I thought it was just an interesting little sidebar where they kind of explain why they're they're rotting. You know, and oh, you always look at their swords and everything is rusted and decaying. But they all, they, you know. Why are they so good? Why wouldn't they want better weapons? They don't need them. All they got to do is yeah. cut you a little bit. They just got to so, scratch you. Yeah. So uh, so there's this big battle then that goes on. And Folothrax yeah. shows up. Yeah, the bro on page 117. Looking for bro, Gardas. Bro, Brothrax shows up again. <laughs> yeah, he still wants a taste of Gardas because Gardas had escaped him. Um, yeah, this guy, Gardas yeah, blinds him. Issues. Yeah. Yeah, bashes out, bashes out his eye, but then Gardas gets beat up pretty badly. And like they're just going at it, essentially. Okay, now there's a weird thing that happens here. Okay, they're kind of losing this battle. There's a lot of Nur- I mean, Nurgle just sends every. I mean, everybody shows up for this battle. And right now, in, at the end of chapter 15, Bolithrax lifts up his stomach like he's going after um, Gardas. Gardas. And he's he got l- like a void or a chaos realm in his gut. Yeah, he's got a gate to the chaos realm, like open in here. What is it? I shall put you somewhere safe until you're ready to be reborn, Bolithrax chortled. As he reached out and lifted his belly folds wide, exposing the swirling vortex within him. What do you say to that, eh? So, like, he's got a chaos gate, like, in his stomach. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, where did that, like, I've never, I mean, I, I suppose it's possible, but, like. It must be, you, it's there. <laughs> have you ever heard of anything like this in a, a it was like, really just inside, like under your belly fold, like not even just, hey, look, I happen to have one of these, like surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Like it's a, it could just be like a tiny little realm that I guess, or just you know, a gate there because it's clearly some kind like of prison, his belly yeah. button, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then he lifts up well, his fat folds. I'm telling you what, when he starts reaching over there and lifting up his fat folds, realm gate or, or chaos portal was not the gross thing I was expecting to see, <laughs> but <laughs> you More know, like front butthole, whatever, <laughs> exactly, whatever the thing is going on, <laughs> but then you know, Gardas is horrified. His mouth goes dry, and he just says, "Only the faithful." And like he's like, "Oh no, I'm going back." Um, now is this the part where one of his own bros kills him? This yes, they- this is kind of awesome. Uh, Grim is like, "No, I can't have this." He's like, "We're not going to let. We're not letting you take him again." So Grim reaches over and grabs one of those big ass crossbows from the champions, from the guys that can do bows. The vindicator, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the judicators. Yeah, grabs, adjudicators. Yeah, yeah. grabs a crossbow, aims it, and puts a bolt right through Gardas's head. Yeah, that's it, chapter seventeen because they kind of leave that part hanging. Oh, do they? Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Well, sorry, spoilers. So he's being held up there. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So well, on ch- chapter sixteen, page one twenty-two, they make some for some reason they make a note to say that all these Bestigor and Minotaur run down and just start chopping down the forest. <laughs> right. That's right, and then that's Alario, right. like creates these plants that start killing them, and uh, yeah, that's right. Because Tegris is trying to get everywhere at once. He's flying all over the battlefield, and people are dying. And he's, and actually, the Stormcast. Uh, that's right, because they basically said, "Listen, we're going to give you guys a chance to like they're going to they're giving up their lives so that the Sylvaneth can get out of there." 
Yeah. Because it's their fault. Uh, and that's when Alariel shows up and she's like, nope, you got, no, nobody has to die right now because I'm here. And, well, she's a pretty cool character. Oh, like when she's... she shows up, she starts stomping butt and just oh, like yeah. cool, magical LV, Sylvanefty things. And But the battle's not going well. You know, chapter 16 starts out that way. Tegris is swooping around killing stuff. It's not going well. Um, Vermilank shows up with a gray seer. And then the grace, this, this part's pretty cool. It's the grace seer. Vermilanx gets him to cast a spell, and it's the dreaded 13th. Right. And then Tegra sees it happen. It's aimed at Alariel, and they're, they're trying to kill Alariel, which is not what they said before, because before they were talking about capturing her. But regardless, they must decide now we're just going to kill her. Well, the Skaven, uh, of course. They're the ones right. that, yeah. So, you know, either that's a, bl- a break in the plot, because, you know, you'd think even Vermilanx would want to deliver Alariel to Nurgle himself for a favor, but regardless, they, they're going to cast the Dread of 13th on her, and then Tegra swoops into the way, and the part's cool where he gets transformed into a Skaven with leathery wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And dude, her power is crazy. Like, this Bulgore comes running up to him, and she's just like, boom, you're dead. And then, Bulgore being Minotaur now, by the way. Oh, right, so yeah. New name for Minotaur. My new Bulgore army, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So, so well, then, like, the so plant after that, starts like, sprouting from it, and she just picks up the seeds and starts scattering it. And wherever they grow, like, plants just come up and just start strangling everything that's not on her side. Like, she's just like, oh, destroy. Alariel, yeah. So, somehow, like, she confronts Vermilanx after Tegra saves her and then flips an acorn in his mouth. Yeah. And then that just kills him. Like, boom. It, yeah. The plant, like, binds yeah. and come out of him. Just grow out of every part of him. Exactly. Yeah, and then she feels bad for Tegris sitting there. On page 125, she kills him, and somehow it indicates that he won't return. Like, he's dead for good now. Yeah, because he got turned into a Skaven or something like that. It just got transmuted. Like, there's a weird indication that he might not be back. I thought that was kind of sad. Yeah. There's a lot of weird rules we don't get. There's, you know. Yeah, there's a lot about the magic and the what's coming back and what's not. Right. And maybe we don't need to. Like we can just accept it for what it is. But yeah. So that that's so when, now. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's when we get to about to chapter 17 when yes. Grim <laughs> Grim sees Gardas is about to get abducted again, and he kills him and sending him to Sigmar. Uh, then he rallies the troops and he's ready to counter charge. And the enemy starts falling back. Alario shows up. And the enemy's backing up. Bolithrax is like, "Yeah, Nurgle's deluge has fallen. You're toast. You're done." And she's like. Whatever for you. And she just lets out this scream. And she is screaming like that, that, that Nurgle has taken over. Like gone like she loses her mind. And they're dragging her out of this forest at this point. Like, you know, he's like, You've lost your place. We've got this whole place now. And they drag her to safety. But before that, she she just like throws this the, the last seeds and the, the the seeds go up and the vines go all through Bolithrax. And just literally, uh, basically, vines through every part of his body, and then they just separate and rip him into shreds. Yeah, so the thorny vines kill the giant great unclean one. Yeah. Yeah, just poof, go on. You're gone. Goodbye. Get out of here, bro. And that's now that's it for the... Uh, yeah, the veil is lost right there, like, after that. Right, there's just going to be war, and... Uh, well, there is... There's a little bit left, and there's the epilogue in the book, and it, I think the epilogue in the book covers it a little better than, than the, uh, in the uh, campaign book, the storybook. Yeah, totally. 
Because you got Grim livid. looking into the murk. Yeah, and she is so mad. Like she's just like her eyes are burning with rage. And um, you know, we we tried this, and she's still screaming. Like, and he can hear it in her head. And uh, now she's like, "Where is he? Where's the one who led my enemies to me?" Like she's looking. She wants to. She wants to give. You know, Grim some punishment. Yeah, here. she wants or to not Gardas. Gardas, yeah, but he's dead. Yeah, he's gone. He's he fell defending your realm, defending a realm he endangered. She snarled, "My kingdom, my people, all gone, all lost." And my lady, they're gone as are our brethren, but we still live. And while we live, so does so does uh, uh, Gar- Gar- How do you pronounce the name of this realm? Gairan. Garan, Garan, uh, whatever. Your guess is as good as mine, dude. <laughs> While we stand, your realm shall not fall. So I swear, we shall fight. We shall win. Your kingdom will be free. And so she's like, "Well, you know, for now, we need to find you safety." And she's like, "There is no safety now. Now only war remains." And I'm like, "Ooh, in the grim darkness of the far yeah, future." Yeah, sounds awful. Forty k. <laughs> yeah, there's only war. Yeah, but uh, there's no safe. There's no safe place in my realm anymore. She had the last safe place. They screwed it up. <laughs> but you know, but now she's got to fight. Now she's got to get out there and do something. So it's a kind of a good thing, in in my opinion. There, she's yeah. She can't just hide in her little weenie right. veil. She's exactly. got to go out and take All right. take the battle. So one so more that's break. That, that's one of those whole stories. Then that's how it ended, right? Like yep they've they've they lost the veil, but they found her. They're they've pledged their allegiance to her. Although she doesn't seem too happy to have it. We'll have to see what happens there. But at least they found her. So now she can, you know, they can Sigmar can, and her can have a conversation, and figure out what's going on. I guess. Right. Get back in the battle and. Exactly. Come on, get back to it. This hiding in your realm is no not working for anybody here. So, let's take right. a break. Come back and wrap up with the big, big final battle, uh, to 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 see who winds up holding Galmaraz. Yeah. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Back to the land of metal. Metal. All right. <laughs> so we're returning to the fortress. The fortress is stuck in the metal. It's cooled. Now we don't know what to. This is great now because Efrix is freaking out. Uh, you know, uh, Thrond is like, "What are we gonna do now?" You know, Va- um, uh, Cool shows up. He's looking for Vandas. Cool shows up. Thrawn doesn't want him there at all. He's like, "What are you doing here?" 
Efrix is like, no, you need this to, is John's realm. Yeah. <laughs> and Efrix is like, you need to go out there and you need to fight these guys and you need to stop them. And he's like, you need to stop telling me what to do in my own realm. And the fighting gets to enough where Efrix is like, all right, I've had enough of this. I can't handle this. And he just binds him to his will. So he charmed him, yeah. Yep. And then that's where Cairo shows up. Yeah, his eyes get all glazed and he goes off to fight. And Cairo's like, what's going on, little one? And he's like, ah, things got a little screwy, but uh, don't worry. I think I got this handled. I could use a little help if you want to give me some help, though. And he's like, oh, no, yeah, I've got your help right here. I've totally got it planned. <laughs> yeah. Like, so Kairos is like, I'm going to pull this Arcana Bullum in here, and you're going to cast the Lunar Reversal, and that's going to unstick the castle. <laughs> and he's like, doesn't uh, – so, yeah. So they're going to move the – they're going to reverse time and move the moon backwards, which will then allow – the 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 you know the dragon to remelt everything so that the castle will be loosened. And he's like, isn't that really dangerous? And couldn't that hurt me and kill me? He's like, well, look, if it doesn't kill you, then you're you're fine. And if it does kill you, it's not going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're dead. Well, the funny part, like, so, Kyra, or uh, Thron gets charmed by a Frix on page two twenty one. Right. And the very next page, Kairos has had enough of a Frix. So Kairos charms the Fricks. <laughs> yeah, well, because, yeah, he's like, oh, I don't think I can do this spell. I, I, um, are you sure you – shut up, do it. So, so, yeah, gets a yeah. taste of his own medicine and gets totally bound to go do this. Um, so Fricks is summoning demons. They descend this large staircase, and there's kind of a cool scene because the Fricks is under Kairos's control. He can't turn his head to look out the window, but he's kept catching these glimpses of the battle as they're walking down this big staircase. And then they get down to – must be where Galmaraz is, right? Yeah. Um, so Kairos has eight lords of change there. Yeah, they all arrive and they're 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 trying to bind and control Galmaraz to control the power of it. Yeah, and Frix is down there, and he's hearing he's trapped in his own skull. He's hearing these lords of change change his names, and he's suffering for it. Like it's painful to him physically, yeah. but he can't move. He can't do anything on his own. Yeah, that's crazy. Just knowing their names is painful. The power that's encased and hearing these words, it's like he he can't, yeah, he can't handle it. So it's, and he's aging in minutes. Like he's getting older and older as this spell is happening and all this other stuff's going on. Yeah, and and he's he's as he's he's, as, ex- he's exposed to the light of Gomaraz as well. So this dude's just having a rough day, man. Yeah, and he and he's now he's decided he hates Fate Weaver. He's like, I've done everything to help you. I try to do something good. I try to to be you know a good agent of chaos. And at the last moment, our moment of triumph, you toss me aside and use me like a like a just another you know tool. Yeah, big surprise, right? <laughs> exactly. You know what did you expect? But um, so so meanwhile, like. The the dudes are outside still battling. And I love um, how Cool tells everybody, hey. No, Cool's calling Vandas out, and Vandas like, nope, staying in formation. I, I came out last time. Didn't work Yeah, I'm really good. mad. I would like to come at you, but I'm not going to do it. I'm no Thostos, bro. Yep, <laughs> yep because they're they're way outnumbered. They're so outnumbered. He's like, no, I gotta, the, the, the battle is more important than my grudge. And so it's funny. None of Cool's guys, like you said, Nobody will go near Vandas. They're avoiding him. <laughs> They're avoiding, yeah, which is great because he realizes I can get almost anywhere I want. They won't touch me because Cool's like, anybody lays a hand on him, I'll kill you myself. He's mine. Yeah. So like the, there's a big fight going, and you got Cole's dudes there sticking it to the storm cache. You got Thr- Thron's dudes are there. And then at some point, Thron's guys start attacking Cole's guys. Like Thron's well, warriors just start giving it to the bloodbound. 
Well, because Thrond sees that Vandis is getting closer and closer to where Galmaraz is kept, and he's like, this is stupid. I'm going to kill him. And he actually swings his, and Cole stops him, like parries his attack yeah. and says, I said <laughs> he's mine. Hey, I want to kill him. I said he's mine. And he turns around and goes, are you an idiot? I almost had him. He goes, no. So they, those two start fighting. And then all the chaos guys and all them go goes, at hey, each your other. boss is fighting my boss. Hey, well, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. And they start fighting. Well, then at 231, you got this really cool scene where you got Vandis there, but nobody will attack him because no one wants to piss Cull off. And then Thalstus is there, but he's completely impervious to any harm. <laughs> so you got these two dudes that are in the midst of this battle. And they're and, like, and they're just they, running forward. And if you're not yeah, fast like, enough to get out of their way, they'll kill you. Like they, they're literally avoiding these two. And but they're like, well, I'm not going to avoid you. <laughs> There's no reason I can't kill you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So they're like, to heck with it. They just go for Galmaraz. Yeah. The hammer's close. Let's go. And you know, we sell our lives dearly. It's, it's going to kill us, but we're selling them worth it. Yeah. Um, they don't think they're going to make it though, because they're outnumbered. They can't get through. And then all of a sudden, Sigmar sends a lightning bolt, and then there is Ionis. He's back along with a bunch more Stormcast. Yeah, there's a, an interesting part where uh, uh, one of the blood secretors like, tries to get him and starts screaming at him, I'll slay you. I'll cut your head free. I'll spit on your corpse and dedicate your skull to corn. <laughs> and Vandis looks at him, Cole has claimed my head. Do you dare his wrath? Cole's weak. Sigmar's weak. Blood for the blood god. Like He's just like... <laughs> And he attacks. Yeah, and he attacks, and they stop him. Of course they do, course, because yeah. you know they're you know it's you who are weak to fearfully sell yourself <laughs> to the murder god. Yeah, because Cripporn shows up and like, yeah, I can handle him. He's that that's the, the same class. So he shows. Yeah, Cripporn, how'd you get back so fast, dude? I don't have, take so long to travel the realm of death as you guys. Remember, that's my home. Like, <laughs> like his explanation makes sense. Look, I get through the realm of death a lot quicker than you guys do. I know the place. Yeah, and this is one of those battles that as it's going on, like the, the people that are dying aren't going back to Sigmar. Their souls are being captured by the castle. Yeah, so you've got to destroy this castle and set them free. This magic is going to eat up all of your all of these dudes. Right, and then so you get Vandis and Thostas. They're rushing into the center, and they find a Frix who's now really old, and then they yep. start creating this other drama where the shard gate is descending towards the tower and it's going to it's, it's going to take, take it away, away yeah, exactly. to, the, to the crystal labyrinth and it's going to be in the zinch realm and then Ooh, uh, like right there on two thirds what's that page 170 in the uh, campaign yeah. book mm-hmm. here's one with the uh, I, I always call it, I always thought it was like marker drawings but you're, you're talking about the computer stuff you know when you go with the zinch stuff the the non-nurgly stuff that that looks pretty cool I like I like some of the newer work when it doesn't have to be all like gross and nasty. Oh yeah, like and that looks. It does look comic booky. It does, doesn't it's, it? It's like really it looks, clean and yeah, crisp, kind of like anime, you know, looking. But uh, I mean, and the that's Kairos, Kairos yeah. there. I mean, because Kairos on the other page looks like the classic Kairos, and I like that a lot. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I like this style better, but it's just it's a different. It's something new, and it's really clean and crisp, and it's kind of cool. Plus, they got the little pink horrors spitting up the blue horrors on this. I just like this stuff. Oh, and here yeah, on page 171 is where they've got that explanation of who Fate Weaver is, and that stuff about uh, you know seeing the past and, Kyro- and yeah. the future, but not the present. Yeah. The future does not unfold for him quickly enough to predict the ebb and flow of battle. Because of this, greater demon manipulate he, the greater manipulates his pawns from a safe distance. <laughs> Only in times of great importance does he stoop to be personally intervene. 
So I'm sorry. Back to the story. I was just looking at it going, ooh, I like that. So <laughs> I'm sorry, well, squirrel. You know, I get easily <laughs> distracted. So then you get to page 234 where Vandis and Thostus reach Galmaraz, but there's nine lords of change, one of which is Kairos. Yeah. And like the fortress is slowly rising to the shard gate at this point. So there's this kind of drama going on as well as the battle. Yeah, they did this really well because I mean, this is this is this is that point in the movie where everything's happening. You know, the bomb is ticking down, like the timer's set. You've only got so much time. Everything's <laughs> happening, and it's and it's and it's. Uh, there's a real sense. I mean, you know, they, they're building it well. Where even though you kind of know what's going to happen, it's it's actually there. There's some. There's a decent amount of suspense that they've managed to work into this at this point. Yeah, I agree, and. You know, fortunately, Sigmar sends reinforcements, which actually lets him get into this area. But now they got to fight nine Lords of Change. Yeah. In fact, uh, Vandas closes his eyes because he realizes the Lords of Change can make him see whatever he wants. And he yeah, can't. he's like in a forest all of a sudden. So he yeah. closes his eyes and remembers what was going on. Yeah. And he, and he can see past of, the spell. Yeah. With Galmarez being right there, it's just like he can sense it being there. It's like part of, you know, being part of Sigmar himself. So he starts cutting the chains that are holding it steady. And uh, he's about to get it free, and then Fate Weaver just is like, oh, I think I'm just going to freeze your whole body and stop you because I'm Fate Weaver, and that's what I do. Yeah, so he burns Thostus, Kairos does. Yeah. And then he goes for Vandis, but lo and behold, Ionis shows up and blasts Kairos with some lightning. Which then distracts him long enough where he lets go of Efrix. Frix, yeah. Because so he's got to concentrate now. now. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, and he's pissed at Kairos still. So the part's cool. Yeah. Because Kairos gets hit by a Frix who's wielding a staff of change. And then Kairos loses control of his mortal form. And he just starts transforming into, all into a bunch stuff. of different demons. Yeah. It's really and, a cool scene. It really works well. And while that's happening, that's when Vandis makes a leap for Galmaraz and he gets it. Yeah. And once he's holding on to the hammer, he feels that power flowing through him. And he's like, whoa. Yeah, and then he slays Kairos. Yep, and then the shard gate closes, and he hears the laughter. What's with the laughter? Where is this? It's, well, because they talk about Vanus kills Kairos, the fortress starts collapsing, and then there's lightning from the hammer that just kills all the demons. Uh, there's a twin-tailed comet that streaks across the sky at this point as well. Where and is then it? like the Sigmar Abolum somehow takes all the Stormcast home. Let's see. I'm reading Kairos, the Whisper. Was it Zinch laughing? Why would Zinch laugh that he got him, though? It was right, right yeah. as it closed. Hammer, I'm looking for it. The Elder's Fortress was rooted in the power. The fabric of the Elder's Fortress was power hammer. You're okay. The shard gate winked out. An echo of the laughter remained. And for a moment, the bare floor kept hung in the air over the side of the Elder's Fortress. I just was like, what, what was the laughter? What, what, where was this laughter coming from? I, maybe it was their laughter that they thought they had won. I just didn't quite, I, I must have missed something. But I was like, where was this laughter coming from? But now, yeah, In all honesty, it could be Zinge. Because in theory, being the master of time, he would have known what was going to happen. Perhaps, perhaps not. But... Um, who it doesn't make sense who would laugh i agree that's in the storybook yeah okay yeah that's right near the end when it's freed so then vandis is laying on the ground on his back vandis held aloft the god hammer saluting the arrival of the 
Sigmarabulus. Uh, the Sigmarabulum. Storm- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever the Sigmarabulus. Hell. I don't even know what these things are. They're big, weird yeah. machines that Arcanabulum. do stuff. They yeah. give some descriptions of the Arcanabulum, because yeah, look- that's what... That that's required for that lunar reversal spell yeah. somehow, but they don't really talk too much about you know it's, it's just some weird magical machine. Yeah, the storm hosts fell to their knees and were surrounded by a blaze of light. Galmaraz was united with his master, and the war began in earnest. This is one of those parts where the actual the book you, know, you get past the uh, the story, and once again, this is the this is that uh, that one. That one battle planet that really doesn't work as well. You said doesn't work at all. (laughs) Well, it's like you know, it's it's one of those things where it's because it's that that realm gate moving closer and farther away. Yeah. So what you do is when you roll to see who gets the initiative on the turn, that that point moves on the table. And when your general takes wounds, it moves on the table. But if your general heals, it also moves on the table. So if you got a general who can heal himself, like it, it can really unbalance the game completely. Like it's just plus if you just keep winning the roll for initiative at the beginning of the turn, like you just you you basically you're gonna win the game just because you won the initiative roll. Sure. So, so yeah, right. it's not yeah. It's yeah. A, it, I'm not it, too interested in the scenarios in all yeah. honesty. It's just kind of ancillary. Right. But I mean, if you if you want, I mean, yeah, I just I like them because they're just other other ideas for ways to play. You know right. what I'm saying? You, I don't play them all. In fact, I like a lot of the stuff that I've seen in some of the tournament packs, but. Every time you pl- you've got to have some sort of a s- there's there's got to be objectives and scenarios to play this game. You can't just play straight up battle lines with this game. So every time they hand me a new battle, I look to see is this a cool one? Is this something I can incorporate into a fun game? So I read sure. th- I do read them all. I uh, read them, but I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not at a point where I'm playing a lot of games. So yeah. I think we kind of skipped over at the end there, page 184 in the storybook, where they talk about. The yeah. war for all points begins. Yeah, that's where I was just getting to. That was the last part. That's the part that wasn't in the that's in the it's in the campaign book and not the story book. The picture of Sigmar. Oh yeah. All Page bearded. One, yeah. Yeah, sitting there yep. holding Galmaraz finally. I think that's uh I think that's one of the dudes giving the hammer to Sigmar, you think? No, I think that's Sigmar. All right, I'd buy that. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, because I mean, if you look, that's that because that is not that's not their armor. And if you look, the long beard, none of them look like that. I mean, you oh, look yeah, at every picture, of Sigmar. Yeah, the the long beard, the 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 little braids along the side, that 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 headband with the with the jewel in it. Odin esque. If this dude had one eye, oh sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a griffin sitting next to him there. Yeah. Well, so regardless, they talk about like he made his way to the chamber extremis. Open the gates and waken the numinous being inside. I have no idea what that's talking about, but he's got something on his side that. Yep, the war for all points then, has about to begin. So I'm assuming that's the next big campaign book. And that's got to be the the Archon story, right? Like yeah, the all points is that uh, that's that's what I the, think. The castle thing. Though I think the all points, yeah, that's that. Isn't the all points? That's that. That's the big gate. I thought. Uh, I think that's the name of that gate or whatever that was. Okay, the one we talked about earlier. Yeah, I think that's it. But if that's the war for all points, I mean, that's what's kind of cool about these things is that they're they're not just they're not just telling me that ten thousand years ago the old ones made the planet and disappeared. And I'm not bagging on the old the old lore. The old lore was great. Yeah. But now it's like. There's all this old stuff that's there that they can always go touch on, but we're getting this story sort of unfolding, and we're getting this cool stuff happening. So it's like, okay, now he's got his hammer back. Now what's the next step in this battle? Like, where are Clearly we going to go? Yeah. He, he, so now he's going to rage this all-points war, whatever the hell that's going to be. Exactly. 
but at least it's moving forward. Like, yeah. Step one, reclaim your power. Step two, take it to the enemy. Boom. Right. And this can go on and they can make all sorts of campaign books. And instead, it's one of the things that I think is very cool about the new way that they've written this is before it was always the, you know, it's even in 40K, it's the world is on the verge of collapse. Right. You know, it's the year 39999. You know, the emperor's throne is broken. The world's about to collapse. You know, chaos is at the gates. You know, uh, Archeon's at the door. Everything's about to collapse. That's where we're always at. And here it's like, okay, we actually went past that. We've got a new realm. We've got new wars. And we're not right at the verge of extinction. We're actually at the verge of pushing them back. And so there's all these battles. And they've basically just opened up this door to all these cool stories that they can tell and all this neat stuff we can do with it. So Yeah, and I think the positive side it's it's the cool thing is it's more of a positive slant. Like everything's gone to crap, but now we're winning. It's not like we're constant the good guys are constantly on the back foot just holding on and ev- with the knowledge that at some point chaos is going to win because that was always the implication there in those stories. Right. You know, the good guys are tenuously holding on to this. Now it's the opposite. Like, the bad guys are tenuously holding on, and they're being pushed back. Yeah, we're bringing the fight to you now. We've, we've had enough. You've, 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 you, you, almost, you could have won, but you didn't. And now we're bringing the fight to you. And that's what I really have enjoyed about these, uh, these campaign books that they're, that they're bringing out. And generally they don't win because they just turn in on themselves. Like, the bad guys always... <laughs> yeah. They can't get along, or they, and it's said that a few times throughout these books that they, they don't get along. If they could, like they could have won it all. They could, whatever oh, yeah. that means to them, you know, and then they could just fight with each other all the time and it wouldn't matter, apparently, but they just can't unite. Um, but cool. I mean, it's, it's good to have a, a positive ending, not this constant sense of it's all going bad. Right. Or we, okay, we held them off this time, but they'll be back tomorrow and they'll be beating our heads in again tomorrow. Here it's like, Okay, we stopped him. We we made a we've made we've made progress in our you know we're they're they're the ones losing ground. They're the ones that are nervous, right? It's it's actually really cool. Um, so so I'm, so there were, I'm excited. Yeah, there were a few sections here that we kind of skimmed over. I had a few notes. Sure, where there was a few parts where in the realm of life you'd get the stormcast surveying some part of the realm or another, and they were hinting at these old abandoned elven cities. I think they were Elven, where they're talking about Arborea. So it oh, seems yeah. to indicate there were these old, like, elf settlements, because they clearly weren't Sylvaneth. Well, right. And, I mean, Alariel lived there, so there had to be... I mean, she's probably built some of this stuff out of her memories and, and things. So I'm wondering what's there. Sure. So there's some indication that the elves are there. And now that the realm of life is coming back, perhaps they'll come back. Um so then the other note I had was early on in the book, when Vandis was rebuilt i think it was vandis right when we first started yeah yeah he's the one who winds up in that that chamber oh yeah, he talks about where- going to see sigmar and they pass this forbidden vault which yeah. you can't even look at i skipped that in the notes too yeah they promised they wouldn't even look at the forbidden vault what is that i know so there's something going on there and because yeah, they actually swore that they would not even look at it like when he right. walked he had to divert his eyes and i'm like Dude, seriously? Like, how do you keep that promise? Like, how do you not look at the door? <laughs> like, I mean, you, seriously, you walk by it. Don't even, don't even look at the door. I, I, I sorry, Sigmar. I got sounds look. eerily si- similar to "Don't eat the apple" to me. <laughs> right? Or, I mean, I mean, that sounds that that sounds like stuff that I read in the Horus Heresy. Like, literally, sounds like stuff I've read in the Horus Heresy. Yeah. So something's going on there as well. 
Whether we'll figure it out soon, who knows, but... Yeah, I had that in my notes. I totally forgot about that. That stepping past that door that they promised not even a look at. Like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Can you throw a curtain over it or something? I mean, <laughs> like... <laughs> Because I don't know that I can walk by and just not look at it all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe sneaking around when Sigmar is asleep trying to figure out what's I don't, in there. Like, I wouldn't even it's like, I, I get don't walk up to it. Don't go in the door. Don't go through the door. Don't look at the door. Now, come on. Now you're asking me too much. <laughs> you know, I got <laughs> that's just right. silly. You never know. Maybe that's Sigmar's harem in there. He's got a little, <laughs> got a little something going on. <laughs> He's well, they were some... those barbarian Viking types. You never know. Yeah, he's making some more of these stormcasts the old-fashioned way. <laughs> <laughs> he earns it. Who needs lightning and thunder, man? We got, we got to hear him. <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's not a bad idea. You don't want the stormcast going in there. And <laughs> hey, you guys keep out of here. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. Yep. So oh. then the rest of the campaign book, they just... You know, you got all the war scrolls, which you can get online, Skaven, and I think you can get them online, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, all this stuff is. Um, uh, I mean, the the battle, the b- little battalions and stuff is the things that you'd have to pay for if you want them. Mm, so, okay. like, if they have, that's the stuff that they the. If you don't buy the book, that's the one thing that annoys me. It's like these should come with a code where I can get them for free because I just paid seventy bucks for the book. And I got the code. I should be able to download it. The War Scroll Battalions. So, like the Thunderstrike Brotherhood, the Devastation Brotherhood, the Annihilation Brotherhood. Are these in the book? Yeah, at the what? very back. Uh, if you look at ah, I got you. Sure, page two twenty six. Yeah, those. Yeah, Annihilation Brotherhood, the Vengeful Skull Hunt. Uh, yeah, these things. Those. You, you, those are not free. Which is weird. I guess you own the book. You can photocopy it, do what you want, right? Right. Yeah. You're not selling it. Yeah, those are the only things. But the actual, the actual PDFs are for the each character, each model. That's all free. Yeah. So. Okay. And then the book ends with the basic rules again. The four pages of basic rules. Yeah. Which I still think is weird because in the basic, there's something, and it's in here. I saw it again. When you're going through the rules. And One they, of the last they, four pages here. No, it's before that, and it's and because it, it's not in the rules, but they keep putting it in. And let me find it so I can tell you where to look. Because Herner and I were talking about this, and I just think it's a weird thing. Go to page one eighty nine under hints and tips. All right, I am in route currently, which must be after Sigmar standing there with his hammer. One, okay, I got you. One eighty nine hints and tips. Top right, save of. A save of yep. dash. Some models have a save of dash. This means they automatically fail all save rolls. Do not make the roll, even if modifiers apply. Sure. So if you have no armor and you cast that, like you know, if, if you're all standing in terrain, you're supposed to get a plus one to your armor save. Or right. if you cast that magical spell, the mystic shield, you're supposed to get plus one to your armor save. If you got a save of dash, those are modifiers. None of those work. Okay. It does not say that anywhere in this four-page rule set. It doesn't say that modifiers work. It doesn't say that if it's got a save of dash that no modifiers work in the actual four-page rules. It only says it in this hints and tips thing in well, these big books, which I just think is a weird thing because it's like that's kind of a big deal. Well, I think I mean, I don't just you think th- the wording's stupid. I think so you don't have a save, but your save is dash. But if you're in a forest, your save isn't dash. You have a save of whatever. What is it? Six? 
right? So well, your profile it? still has a dash. Well, I think you're reading too much into it. Or is that a mod? <laughs> uh, that's, uh, it says you add one to your save rolls. Do, so, oh, it says even if mod. Do not make this roll even ah. with modifiers because the Mystic Shield says you add one to your save rolls. Well, that's right. a modifier. I don't make a save roll. If your save roll is dash, you don't make a save roll, period. Yeah, that's what it's saying. Yeah, so, but it doesn't. So, I mean, I guess that's just the rule is if it's a dash, but it doesn't in the. It, I know it's only four pages of rules, so whatever. And well, that's that, one. Uh, I think that's one thing the tournament organizers can confirm for themselves. And if you're playing with your sure. friends, you just have a way to do it, and that's how you do it. I mean, it, and that's so. fine. I mean, there's very. Uh, most things have some sort of a save, you know. Most so the, things. the funny part is it's a four-page rule set, but it's still not tight. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's well, pretty no. loose. Like the, I mean, there's very few things. I'm looking in this whole big book. The Griffhound doesn't have a save. Um, the Blood Reavers don't have a save. I think they're the only thing in here that doesn't have a save. Oh, the Plague Monks don't have a save. It's basically, the you know, the stuff that just, just attacks, like, wantonly without any regard for its own safety I'm sure none of the beastmen have saves. Nerglings. Yeah. yeah, the nerglings don't save. But it's just to say, if you have a save of dash, then you don't roll even with modifiers. So, so unless it actually says it gives you a save, you know that it just if you modify, if you just add one to your roll, well, but you don't roll, you don't even roll. So, right. So don't bother casting Mystic Shield. <laughs> Not on those guys. So yeah. there you go. Sure. Just a bit of info. Well, listen, Johnny, I know you've got to go, and you've been more than helpful here today, spending three hours talking about two books and doing all that reading with me, and I do appreciate it. Well, I enjoyed it. So I, I'm know. glad you did. Hey, um, if you do wind up picking up the uh, ever-chosen book, I just ordered the Archeon Fluff book. I could send it to you if you're interested in it. Uh, yeah, how much, how much are these campaign books? Is that that's the ever chosen? Is the campaign one? No, it's not a campaign book. This is a battle. This is one of the battle tomes. So it's just a. Uh, I don't know if you're uh, gonna pick it okay. up. Okay. Cool. All right, and folks, uh, we'll be back with episode 135. Rotor and I will be covering Seraphon just in time for Christmas. <laughs> Lizards from space. What better way to celebrate the Yule time? So <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with that in a couple of weeks, and see y'all later. Take care. Take it easy. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support GarageHammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.